0: Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and ten, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. Brad Chatlos, nicknamed Chat. Uh, when I originally you know, looked at that, I was thinking chat. All right, like chat room, likes to talk. Oh, that's part <laughs> of his name, chat. Got it. Um, Naps, 95, uh, Navy football senior, 98, right? Class of 99? Yes, sir. Awesome. Linebacker. Um, linebackers are, are special. Uh, I, I'm kind of biased to that. So um, from Youngwood, Pennsylvania. Um another Pennsylvania guy. You're my third Pencil- Pennsylvania guy in a row. Uh, we had some some back to backs there. Uh, I've learned that there's a lot of good people in, in Pennsylvania for sure. <laughs> um, after graduation on to the Marine Corps, uh became a LAD platoon commander when I say LAD L A A D, which is something something air defense. It's kinda of like altitude. low low altitude, right? There you go. No altitude air defense. And today I'm thinking, I wonder what lad folks are going through nowadays with drones and like how crazy that could be. Um, and maybe we can get into that if you got any background on it. But I was just thinking about, you know, because I got a, a buddy of mine who was a sprint football guy because I I coached sprint for a while and he went into that. I should have oh, called okay. him before this, but. Um, that sounds like a really cool profession. You do a platoon commander role, go to battery XO, uh, end up going to be the 26 mu, lad OIC. Uh, and when when you say 26 mu, lad OIC, is it like a detachment or is that the entire, okay, a detachment yes, to join the, the mu, yep. Back. And uh, go on a ship and, and be ready to do whatever. Um, become the battalion assistant opto, um, and then I go into your list of of the rest of your jobs since then, and it's huge, so <laughs> many. Uh, in summary, software analytics, sales. You know the companies are, um, etc. Army sales engineer to Ingress to Com Vault uh, to. OSIUS, I guess. OSIUS. It was
1: OSIUS Networks, is what they, how they say it.
0: Yep. Um, SAS, um, semantic research to IBM to currently Alation. And they're all network uh, analytics, analysis, software, sales. Um, so pretty intense in, in the software analytics uh realm which is really cool because it's kind of new um especially on on this is haven't experienced that before and with you know ai coming out i'm sure that'd be a fun conversation um but you're also the navy football vice president uh the brotherhood the the nonprofit organization that we all enjoy to get those those tickets when we're in town and uh, to go to the game. We go to the tailgates, which is something that you actually spearhead and set up and organize. Or organize and Yeah, that's um, my baby. There you go. Oh, good actually,
1: a good tailgate.
0: Awesome. You know, I wish I uh, had this conversation with you uh, last season at the Memphis game. Uh, there's been a few episodes where we talked about the, the Memphis game, uh, getting back together with my small inner circle and I uh, would love to shake your hand. I'll be there next year at some point, and hopefully, I can awesome. shake your hand. So, that's cool. Um, and your hobbies are um, fixing and building things. What yeah. kinds of of things are you fixing and building nowadays?
1: Uh, so, I kind of started out doing woodworking type stuff. So, I've I've built nice. like uh, actually I can show you here. I built this. Uh, it's like an old barber chair. Uh, I turned it into a table. So nice. The cherry top on that, and I've built a bunch of other stuff like that. And then, as I've gotten older and projects have somewhat gotten bigger i've I've gotten into electrical and plumbing and um, flooring, and, and we did an addition. and I did a lot of the work associated with uh, I ran all the electrical, did the whole electrical box, ran all the circuits, did all the lighting, plumbing, and first time I ever did plumbing, so you know nice. like I had a, haven't had a leak yet, so so far so good. and that was probably nice. like two years ago. What am
0: I at uh, my dad's best friends and uh, when i was a kid we would go down to south texas and go hunting uh, that was my my ability to to hunt when i was uh you know even so far in my lifetime that's where i was able to hunt uh, he was a plumber and uh i remember like it was yesterday where it was a long day it was hot we were digging ditches mm-hmm. we were helping him out and he said you know what that smells like it smells like money
1: <laughs> well, you, probably, cracked, you cracked probably, me up on one of the one of the previous uh i can't remember who it was with but you're like oh i'm into like woodworking i just love cutting wood and that was all you said I was like, cutting wood like <laughs> yeah
0: I, I'll, I'll put a saw out there you know i'll get my little uh uh what's it called swiss Army knife out and, and you know find, <laughs> find a dry piece to to cut into and, and waste uh, some time but uh, i'm in nowhere near um type of space that you're in there because that that table looks awesome um one other question on your background was a lot of the the job um titles have this ic account or ic you know account executive what does ic mean ic is the intelligence community so intelligence community goodness gracious i need to get more oh, there's a million on that so <laughs> uh, now now it makes sense but i had to ask because um it kind of stumped me i was thinking i need to i need to ask you more about that so cool um all right i'll hit some memories got a couple of memories from from a couple of folks okay. the first one um 99 strong safety adam
1: crecheon so I'll just help you there. <laughs>
0: Perfect. I was going to ask how to pronounce that. but um, And he and Matt Williams both kind of had a remembrance of uh, your sponsor family. Like You had a good sponsor family
1: set up. Um, you had an older brother come through in 93. He was the 92 football captain, defensive uh, back safety.
0: Nice. And your sponsor's names were Alan Regis. Yeah, On the South River, and there were a lot of good times there. I'm just going to knock this one out straight up, front because um, they both said that, that, you know, that theme was there. So what do you remember about, you know, what, you know, your, your sponsor parents, one, and then two, some of those times?
1: So my sponsor parents were a little different. It was actually a, an older gentleman and he, a gentleman that was probably 20 or 30 years younger who rented out his basement. Uh, Al was... I knew Al. So I guess I could start a little earlier. So my brother um, ran into Alan Regis while he was at the Academy. I think, I think if I remember it correctly, he had a sponsor and his sponsor passed away and through the relationship, somehow he ran into this guy named Al and then he met Alan Regis and, and they had a house on the South river overlooking the water and it was just, you know, him and all his buddies. So if you interview him at some point, he's, he's a pretty interesting guy. And, and, I'll, we'll go into him a little bit later but uh, all his buddies did the same thing that I did you know six years later. Um, my brother was five years older than me but I went to the prep school so we're six years apart and uh, all the things that I did when I was in high school when we would come down and visit we would you know where would you go? you would be the hotel or some restaurant or your sponsor's house. In this case, we'd go over to Alan Regis's house, and it was basically a bachelor pad because it was the two guys living there, and they were big partiers. And so we were always drinking and eating, and everybody's having a good time. They had a hot tub. Then they had the river. They had a ski boat, and we would go out in the boat. And, you know, it was, you know, a place to escape the monotony of uh, of the Naval Academy and, and uh, you know. Time bonding time with your brothers. You know, he hung out with all his football buddies, and I hung out with all my football buddies. And the majority of the time, that's usually what you do, unless for some reason in your company there's just some really great dudes, or whether they're on the lacrosse team or some other sports, or you know, some relationship. But generally, you hang out with the people you hang out with all the time. And since we're you know, football was taking up so much of our time, that's kind of who we hung out with.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I, I remember uh, some of the Mike Matthews stories and Cameron Marshall and. Um, I think that's the same sponsor, folks. But uh, definitely, no. A good no place. So that's
1: different. So that that's I had different. two sponsors. I so that's different. So all right,
0: two sponsors. Tell me yeah. More about so that. that's
1: different. So I I had uh, Alan Reed. Who obviously, I knew from my brother's time there. And then while I was there, uh, another football uh, brotherhood guys, Greg Suma, who was a 90, 98 guy, and, and then Hunter Jones, who was a ninety seven guy. Yeah said hey we have the sponsor and we think you're you know cool dude and you know he we basically you know Can he's be a, a part bachelor. of it he's a bachelor in dc and as a you know an uh, attorney and you know he comes to all the football games but doesn't have a you know doesn't have family to spend all his money on so he you know does this big spring break trip every every year and takes his his st uh, thomas, thomas. yes yeah, so so that kind of that, they brought me into that my sophomore year i'm sorry no my freshman year and we did the saint thomas trip it was great mm-hmm. and then the next year um it was my buddy you know all my, everybody's going to cancun i was like oh man i want to go to cancun but i also don't want to miss this trip at the same time we some somehow the the uh oh what's the word i'm looking for um compliance the compliance people at n had heard about this trip and thought it was some sort of maybe a violation so i was like oh this is going on so i'm not gonna go my sophomore year and went to to cancun and had a great time with my buddies and then uh, that came back that wasn't a big deal so my junior and senior year i went and then the senior usually would pick a freshman so i picked ryan hamilton nice uh, captain hamilton and then came back
0: i need his phone number
1: I got it close uh, <laughs> to me. He's just like, nice. I don't see him that often. He's got, you know, he's got young kids and their, their sports take up a lot of time.
0: Nice. No, I was actually just texting folks today. I'm like, Hey, I got this one, um, with Brad today. After that, I'm kind of free. You know, the, the list is there, but at the same time, I want to make sure I can, you know, pull some people in that can commit this some you know, time to, to talk. And Ryan was on that list out of my classes list of people. So. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So I gave you the, the names I gave you. So, uh, Adam Creshawn, a safety 99 Williams, a yep. linebacker with me, 99, and then Mark Mill, um, linebacker, I'm a, a wide receiver in 99. They all went with me my senior year to the St. Thomas trip because the nice. senior could you know, bring a couple buddies. So they got to experience that as well. And it was just a, just a cool time. I mean, I got so many stories and, and uh, it's kind of like when you interview your buddies and, and the classmates of your guys, all the things that you guys bring up when we get together, it's the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny how that works, right? Awesome. All right, I'm going to keep on going with the memories they shared uh, so I can kind spit some of that. Um, another Adam one was the remembrance of the George uh, Chanup coaching staff getting, you know, fired and then replaced with the Weatherby staff. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Yeah. Crazy times. It was, you know, we all went to naps together. So, well, except for Matt, Matt didn't go to to naps, but Mark and and Adam, we're all at naps. And while we were at naps, the coaching George chomp coaching staff got fired and we're kind of like, you know, what's going to happen. Who's going to be the coaches. Very weird times. And uh, so that's when the weatherby crew came in and, and and Johnson and Nehemiah and all of those guys were, were part of that coaching staff. Now, obviously, you know, we didn't know any of them at the time. We heard where they came from and and we heard they, they were going to potentially run option, but you know, it was, it was, it was weird times. And I was going to kind of go to, into this a little bit on my background, but you know, you're at NAPS. Well, I guess I'll just talk about it now, but I went to, I always wanted to play division one football. It was just kind of like what I wanted to do. Right. And as a little kid. Um, my dad, dad played at Michigan state. He was on the national Championship team. He was on a Rose Bowl champ team, so football was was big growing up. He played in the NFL for a few years, but back then there wasn't really a lot of money in the NFL. What position? He was a outside linebacker or a stand up DN, depending on what offense they or gotcha. what defense.
0: So, tough also moves.
1: Was, he was also a kicker too. <laughs> he was also straight toe kicker as well. Uh, yes. Jack <laughs> um, of all trades. That's right. That's right. So we, he grew up in Southwest Pennsylvania, like I did, and then got recruited by a bunch of, of big schools, but ended up going to Michigan State and played on some obviously great teams um, with some some famous people like Bubba Smith and, and things like that. So um, so football has always kind of been around. And I had an older brother, uh, Chad, um, who, who was five years older than me. So that was kind of a big spread. So he was kind of like a big kid, and I was just like a little kid, right? So learning, uh, and and also our town was different. We grew up in a small little town in Pennsylvania. Um, that was I what, guess you would say it was a farm town, but Youngwood, right? Yeah, Youngwood was was actually a little town, and then everything outside of it was pretty much farm until you went to like the next big next bigger town, was Greensburg, Pennsylvania. What's the biggest town around your area? Greensburg is a pretty big Greensburg. town, but I would say it's you know still is, relatively small. Pittsburgh what, is about forty five minutes. Uh, Northwest uh, of where I grew up.
0: I'm a little ignorant to the, you know, geography of Pennsylvania, but where's Aspers compared to that? I have never heard of it. Never heard, okay. I'm so. guessing it's not by me. It's probably- it yeah, sounds like sport. it. Okay, had to ask.
1: <laughs> yeah, so football is kind of always a, always a, a big thing. My brother played, uh, actually, played, my brother played a lot of sports. He was probably uh, way more athletic than, than I ever was or, or would be. Um, but he's, he grew up in a, like a little bit different time. Like our town had probably 30 kids his age. And when it came to my age, there was three, (laughs) me and three others. So you can't play a lot of pickup football or basketball. And those guys played at the local playground, like all the time. And that whole group just kind of grew up and went through high school together. And, and, and I didn't really have that experience. It was more of like, you know, there was a few people that I'd ride my bike to and, and we would hang out, but sports really wasn't involved. So maybe that's part of the reason I probably wasn't as athletic or into it as much as him. So, um, so that's kind of, you know, our football experience. And then when we get to naps, um, you kind of, you're surrounded by people that came from all over the country and Best part, and, yeah. And, and it's like, wow, like these guys are big or these guys, this guy's small or, I bet this guy's fast or like this guy was all Maryland and this guy was all this. And I wasn't anything like our, our high school football team stunk. I, I, I never really had a, you know, an undefeated or winning ever. You know, it was kind of, I got introduced to the Academy because my brother was recruited. Um, he wanted to play division one football too. At the time, I, I don't think he, he had off, off um, offers from like Ivy league and some in different schools, but I think he kind of made the same decision that I did and wanted to play division one football. And, then what we had never, we had never heard of the Naval Academy before it was, you know, not that far away, but didn't know anything about it. Right. And then, so I got to see him go through a lot of it. And, um, when going to naps, I was kind of like, I want to play division one football. I don't really want to go to the Naval Academy because I, I, I want to go to like a big time school or like a better school. And I want to like the real college experience because Navy is not the college experience that, you know, playing division one sports. Nobody cares if you're on the football team. There's no, there's no fans. Like, you know, there's not like you're people are asking for your autograph or people think it's like really cool or you're special or you you're out in town and somebody buys your dinner. Like that, that, that's just not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not seen that way. Right. It's, it's like your midshipman, just like the other ones.
0: Random thought real quick. Did yeah. y'all have team tables back then?
1: We did. Uh, it wasn't always. I think it was like at lunch and then some nights probably after practice.
0: All right. So um, some sort of like preparatory because you have an event coming up that you all all have to go to at the same time type of deal.
1: Maybe? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Gotcha. All right. Because I loved team tables and I felt like that was our, our special thing that –
1: made us different than the, you know, the rest well, of the... Did the rest of... The, I feel like the other teams had table team tables too, like basketball and stuff. Yeah, uh,
0: understood. But at the same time, there's that special treatment yeah, that yeah. causes,
1: you know, a, probably a small type of friction. I think they've got it even better now. I think they have like a whole little special room they go into and get different food, I think. Nice. Yeah, I'm I need to sure pick your brain on that because I know you're up to speed on that, being the <laughs> yeah, profit you know,
0: nonprofit. Uh, person that you are so that's awesome
1: yeah so um i don't remember the question i was answering but no, no it was it
0: was like around the, the the leadership change and the coaching staff.
1: oh that's right yeah yep. so it was just like what's going to happen you know the coaches coaches that recruited us are not the coaches that are going to be there and then you know what offense what defense are they going to run and i and i one thing i thought was it was I guess different. So my high school was terrible. Like I said, I played outside linebacker on defense, but I moved around on offense. So sometimes I was a tight end. Sometimes I was a fullback. Sometimes I was a split end Uh, and, and not because I was great. It's just our team was terrible. We didn't have (laughs) very many athletes that could, could do whatever. But uh, when I got to naps um, they ran, um, I think they ran a four, three, and so that's like more of an inside linebacker than an outside backer, what I had pay, played. And then the coaching staff changed because uh, I'm not a big guy, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. six feet. And uh, back then I was probably, I don't know, 190, 195, probably. So not, you know, outside linebacker, okay. But, you know, inside linebacker, maybe not. And then the new coaches came back, came in, and, and we ran a 5 uh, 2. <laughs> well five two. I'm uh, wait, wait hold on a second. Was it a five two or a three? Three four? Actually, no, I think it was a it was um it was a three two. So three linemen, two linebackers, and then five safeties.
0: Gotcha.
1: Uh two corners and three safeties. So we had strong, weak, and um they call it Raider now, but it was it was yeah, I don't
0: know so, so you know, five two slash strong, strong three, free and four is free.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we ran, a, we ran a three, two, so no outside linebacker. So they made, they made me a, um, a weak or strong safety depending on, on the day, uh, yeah. which I didn't do a lot of coverage other than the flat as an outside linebacker. So I had to learn a lot of that um, freshman year. And um, Gary Patterson, I, you know, as a Texas guy, you know who he is. Um, yeah, he was, he was our freshman uh, safeties coach.
0: Yeah, when when Jervy was telling me his story and he brought up Gary Patterson, I was like, No. Like this is the same guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. He you- just he, he just kept on talking and then all of a
1: sudden I was like, wait, Gary Patterson? TCU? Okay. I know who you're talking about. That guy's the man. Yeah, like if you would look at the history of Navy coaching, there are a ton it was always a stepping stone. Yep. Uh, people would come here young guys would come here and then they would go off to do great things we've had a number of NFL coaches, a number of other giant uh coaches so the current coach of um current coach of maryland um uh, was my uh, defensive quarter coordinator at naps <laughs> nice.
0: awesome uh um, you know, a good st- story everywhere with all the coaches that come through navy football that's for sure that's something i I picked up more of, you know on that now doing this you know. Um, podcast than than ever before so yeah gain appreciation for
1: it for sure no for sure and um, the other thing i was going to say about coaches is um yeah so we we didn't know what we were going to get so now now i'm a safety never played safety before and and the one thing that i that i found interesting about naps was that i was actually getting like more of like real coaching like in high school my fresh so here I'm, i'm surrounded by change so my My, I don't know, eighth grade year, the whole district decided to change and move ninth grade to high school. So instead of getting an eighth grade at a junior high and being like, you know, on the football team and being like a senior or whatever, I went from, you know, watching football to now going into high school and they they were – consolidating schools or whatever. So they we're going to have two ninth grade teams, which I, I think in, in retrospect was probably bad. They should have just been one because there just wasn't enough talent for two, but then they had to coach two teams. And when they, they fired the coaches before and made all this change, all the coaches were like, they had had some experience, but they weren't like long-term coaches. And a lot of them were just teachers and they said, oh, I'll coach football. Yeah, And so I, I didn't really have like, I would say legit coaching, and, and they're, they're all looking
0: for like a single leader to kind of step up and be like, Hey, this is the way it is now where
1: they're, you know, not, not that, even like a leader. You know? I guess they were fine people, but they just didn't really have a giant grasp on football. The X's and O's like, like, what are your keys? Like a linebacker or like, what are you looking at? And, and if he does this, you should do that. Or, you know, there was just more of a like, Hey, this is, this is the offense are running. This is the defense are running. And like, exactly. this is kind of what you should do.
0: I was just thinking overall as an organization, now you got two teams, same goal, same location. Uh, and the mission has to be unified by uh, like a, a same purpose. Right.
1: Um, that, that's where I was going with that, but yeah, I don't know. It, it yeah. Cause friction. And- yeah. So, you know, so I go, no, so middle school, I never really got to be like, you know, you know, uh, an eighth grader at the junior high and then we get to high school and then there's new coaches and, they don't really know anything. So you're not really, you know, excelling, you're not reaching your potential. And then I go off to naps and then I feel, I'm getting some real coaching and then we get new coaches come in and what's going to happen. And then the position changes. And then I'm in, I'm at Annapolis with all of, you know, going through plebe year, and everybody else trying to figure out, you know, what's this new offense, what's this new defense, what's this coaching staff, who are these people? They don't know us. They didn't recruit us. And then I don't know, actually it's probably a, probably a good question for jerry or someone in his class like i don't know who the kids that next year were from the old coaching staff or the new coaching staff like did they get a did they get a hand in that first year i don't think they did because it was so late in the year it was after army navy well, they might have i don't know that'd be a good question gotcha
0: cool all right let's keep moving on the list um another adam memory was uh uh, let's see blow pops <laughs> at Acme.
1: They used to make fun of me, but also like at the same time, Uh, you know, one of the themes and that I, you know I was going to talk about earlier that drove me throughout my life was either football or girls. And, uh, and I was just, that's really what drove me. And you know, we talk about, well, I wanted to have a good college experience. Like I wanted to be around hot chicks and party and, and do all these things. Right. But, I also wanted to play division one football, but when I went to naps, I kind of thought like, well, maybe, you know, someone will see me at naps and I'll get recruited out of naps and I'll go somewhere else. And I had some, and it wasn't because it was, it wasn't because it wasn't too tough and I'm not a, at all a good student. So I had to bust, bust my butt to, uh, to do all the things to get, to get decent grades there but I just wanted to have more fun. Like I wanted it to to be more of that, what you would think a college experience would be since we didn't have one. We can only, we can only guess and, and, and hear other rumors. But, um, so those are the two things that kind of drove me. And, uh, you know, we did go to the bars and, uh, and I would stand around and look for chicks and just see who's there and, you know, go talk to some girls and, and they would always laugh at me because I would I would I would always have some blow pops with me. One, I wanted to make sure I had good breath. But two, you know, it's just something to do while you're sitting there if you're not drinking, or you know, you just finished the night, and just it's kind of a prop, right? And it's uh, you're sitting there, and then sometimes you know, on the exit, girls would come up and be like, "Oh, that looks good. Can I have some?" And you know, and then you'd start a conversation. And, uh, I think he's what he's talking about, I think at one point one girl took it out of my mouth, put it in her mouth, then put it back in my mouth and walked out the door. And, and, you know, the guys are just rolling in the corner.
0: Got him. uh, Nice. Cool. All right. Uh, Next one. The infamous Fifth Gasser, senior year by Mr. Phil. What was that?
1: Well, Phil, it was, is, is what you know from, uh, Jervie and, and, uh, Clint Blues as Satan, who was our strength and conditioning, uh, strength and conditioning coach. Um, uh, so he was, he was, you know, you don't call somebody Satan because they're your buddy, but you know, you just try to, you know, no direct eye contact. You don't want to be singled out by him <laughs> by any point. Um, and I, I don't know that I remember the story, uh, I'm sure there was something. I hope it wasn't something I did that we had to run an extra gasser. But I, I don't remember. I need somebody like you know when you guys have all of that. The light bulb comes on when your buddy says just that right word during one of these, and you're like, oh, I just yeah. remember it all of a sudden. Like I totally forgot about it. It's probably, uh, you know, it's probably been hidden away, so I don't I don't have to remember it.
0: Gotcha. No, I don't. I don't have anything else other than that. Fifth fifth gasser, senior year. Um, maybe something bad happened or someone. You
1: know, somebody must have jumped, fell out, or yeah. So, <laughs> uh,
0: last one out of out of Adam was uh, <clears throat> Darlene and the amazing road trips y'all would take.
1: Yeah, so a '97 guy named Neil Plasconis was a wide receiver, a guy from Philadelphia, and I don't remember the exact story of how he got this car, but it was a 1976 Cadillac Coupe DeVille. It was maroon with a white top, and uh, it was his car and we used to, he used to let us drive it all the time. Um, yeah, I, I remember even freshman year, I think we, we got in it sometimes and would drive off base and go do something. Um, nice. but the funny part was that he had, so Ben Fay was the quarterback. I think he was 96, 96 guy from Texas. And he had these steer steer, um, like a uh, rack, from a steel because he uh steer because he's from from texas yep. and and neil had uh stereo magnets on the bottom of the rack and and stuck it on the front of uh of the cadillac kind of like boss hog nice. looking
0: so the stereotypical old-school cadillac with the horns on front but yeah, that has yeah
1: one door and a giant one <laughs> door that probably weighed 200 pounds that you would you would pull out that'd be bigger than most cars today but um, so we would get in that. So, so when Neil graduated or I don't know, he got his, I think his, I think he was getting his car loan or whatever and he bought a real car and he, I basically gifted, we gave him some money, but we didn't have any money. So we, he gifted us Darlene, which is the name of the car. Darlene and, is
0: the name of the car.
1: Got yep, it. Check. Darlene's, Darlene's <laughs> the name of the car. And we would, uh, we drove it around our junior, I don't know, most of our sophomore and junior year. Nice. And obviously, it had stickers on it, so we'd get off and on and off base. And then, you know, people if they saw it. They didn't necessarily know it was us. You know, they thought it might be Neil. Or, we, well, you know, we kept a low profile. We didn't we didn't show it off a lot. You know, we don't want people to see that car and then realize that it's us driving it. You know, where we're not supposed to and, and doing <laughs> things. But yeah, we took that car to con-, con concerts. You know, and everybody loved. it. Every time they see that car, we'd honk the horn. We had a loud. It had a loud stereo in it. We'd barrel the music and the, and the and the bullhorns would be going. Did it go? Tour, dng, 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 no, I, I wish it did. You know, technology wasn't around <laughs> uh, today, then as it is today where you'd go buy that real quick and then you'd be play it on your phone or something, you know. Nice. We still had to we still would wait in line for four hours to use the payphone back then.
0: Oof. Gotcha. All right. On to uh, Matt Williams. Uh, he was your roommate. He was a fellow linebacker. He said, um, you know, because of that he was your roommate and a fellow linebacker that he developed resilience because <laughs> of those experiences, just because of those
1: titles. So, um, he also said, y'all, y'all went to TBS together, right? We did. We did. Uh, we stayed after, um, after graduation and did the pro mid for the, the, outgoing freshmen the marine week so we we got to do um uh what's it called spy roping with them we did paintball with them mm-hmm. land nice. nav with them and i feel like maybe one or two other things missed out on the paintball that sounds cool no that was pretty cool the sky ro- the the spy, the the spy rigging i'm sorry the spy rigging you know what that is i don't that's when they have uh, like a 46 or a 53 and they have like the giant rope hanging down and there's people hanging off of it like you know yep. you're you're basically dogged into it. So we were actually responsible, which kind of blows my mind as well, that you know, we had never tied the it's just it's just um you know, like a ten foot rope and you you have a harness and you just tie this rope around a certain way and you do the certain knot and you clip that knot onto the rope hanging from the helo and they take off. And it's like, you know, awesome. make it tight enough or something happened, like a I midshipman's mean, yeah. gonna come out of the air. <laughs> but
0: luckily there were no problems. Sounds like the risk reduction uh process was Probably a little bit more lenient back then than it is today. And, and that's why it was so awesome.
1: Back I don't then. think they do anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Spent-
0: right. <laughs> Which, you know, we missed out, but at the same time, that, that that's pretty cool. Um, okay. Matt Williams mentioned the the sponsorship thing, St. Thomas, spring breaks, roommates. Uh, he, he also mentioned, you know, not just roommates, fellow linebackers, sponsor brothers, uh, spent a lot of time in rickets together. Um, the show were, y- y'all fought like brothers.
1: Yeah. Um, we only, we only went to cu- uh, fists once.
0: <laughs> and I that was after a surgery maybe. Yes.
1: yes. Um, there you go. I don't remember what it was. It was about whether, what bar we were going to go to next. Uh, we were <laughs> in DC, both drinking. And I was like, Hey, we're going to blank. Cause of X, Y, and Z. And he's like, let's go to Y. And I was like, did you not hear what X, Y, and Z was? Like, because of this. And then, you know, we got into it. And the worst part, the thing that drove, I probably drove him nuts. He probably drove me nuts. But we were literally in the same room. So it was in eighth wing, eight three. And it was one of the newly renovated spots at the time. So it was a brand new one. We got it. And um, we were in the same little square. And there were another square, two people down, or for two other people. And... He would he was one of those guys the alarm would go off he'd hit snooze. And then the alarm would go off and he'd hit snooze again. And then again. And then again. And I and I would I would literally like I'd set the alarm for like 10 minutes before I had to get up. The alarm yeah. would go off, I'd get I have up one of those too. Yes. And I he have, would be hitting the snooze. I was like, "Dude, if you're not going to get up, just let's do 20 minutes without your alarm waking me up every 5 seconds and and be done with it." Like so, you know, it's just it's things like that that you laugh about now. Uh, the the he I probably drove him nuts, and he probably drove me nuts. But at the end of the day, we're, 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 we're brothers.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. He said you threw the punch at Irish Times.
1: It was uh it was an Irish place. I, I think it probably was Irish Times in D.C. Yeah. Well, this when his uh, his sling uh, he had a shoulder sling after his surgery. So <laughs> yeah. well, I, I don't know if that I don't I I don't remember that part. I'm sure it's probably correct. But do good know. night. Right. I don't remember uh, – I didn't take that opportunity to get him while I was down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. All right, next one. He said uh, you got picked on a little bit by your linebacker coach, uh,
1: uh, Tommy coach Ray. Ray.
0: Yeah, coach like Ray. I don't
1: third. know when he left, and I don't know how many people he's affected, but I, I, I still have, like, dreams. And I don't know if you or the other guys do. I literally have dreams once, twice a week – or I'm at practice and it's it's just something around football. He's either a practice or the coaches are making me do something, and it's it's just I don't know if it's PTSD or whatever, but like all the stress, like the things I dream about are just, you know, stressful times in my life. And Coach Ray, I don't know, was probably the opposite of me. Like yeah. completely opposite. And I wasn't one of his linebackers from the beginning. So it's, it's a weird thing. So I was, like I told you, I was a stronger weak safety. And uh, we came in and and the guys ahead of me, there was a bunch of them at the time. I was probably fourth, fifth, sixth, fixed string. I'd never even played the position before. And we're going through, I don't know, summer ball, spring practices. And I'm just not, I'm not not getting passed by anybody in the depth chart, but I'm definitely not moving up the depth chart. There's a ton of guys on the team and, and you know, I start getting frustrated and, and um, I remember one spring, one spring scrimmage, or I don't think it was the spring game, you know, coach Pearson was our coach. So after, um, good guy. After um, Patterson left, Pearson became the safeties coach came in and he was like, Hey, Chalice, you and, Kevin Lewis, you're going to, you're going to be, you know, alternating on, on the blue side and then the starting safety and somebody else were on the gold side. Right. So it, it must've been a spring game. And, and, and another guy that a, a coach that could just, you know, at the time I, I, you know, if he was on fire, I wouldn't put him out. Um, was the kicking coach, Todd, Todd White. right. Maybe coach, Wright, I think it was his name. Good. And, um, he was a kicker, uh, obviously. And, um, he was on charter on our side of the field and it was, uh, you know, a series went and then I went to go get and he's like, no, you're not getting in. And I was like, okay. And then I wait for the next series. And then I was like, I go to again. he's like, Hey, coach that I'm supposed to be, you know? And he's like, no. And, and I never, I never, or was, I never got in. And I must've, you know, I was pissed, you know, I was probably stewing on the sidelines, probably kept asking. Yeah. And we went in, we went that, in for that's, that.
0: That's where my, uh, dream nightmare type of thing <laughs> in, is if, if if i'm not making a good impact or if i if i can't speak my mind so
1: yeah so we went in we went in for halftime and coach bumpus who was the guy who was the um, gary patterson's defensive coordinator was our defensive coordinator at the time at navy yes and he goes chiles get your ass out here and i he pulls me out and uh he starts chewing my ass about um you don't talk back to a coach and you don't do this and you know that i was like it's like, I don't know, coach. I you know, Coach Pearson told me I was supposed to be alternating and and Coach Wright's not freaking alternating. So I don't which coach do I listen to? You know, like what do you what do you want? And yep. and I think it was the next week uh Coach Ray came to me and said, uh, he says, What what? I think he goes like, you know, what what do you run in safeties? And I said, third string. And he goes, Well, you want to come be a linebacker and be third string? Uh, and I was like, He's like, I'll put you in in passing situations. You'll get in the game. And I was like, Yeah, I'll be your linebacker. And uh, that's how I moved to, uh, to linebacker. And I don't remember the exact time. I think it was, I think it might have been uh, sophomore year or the end of sophomore year or going into junior year. Actually, I think it's what it was, end of sophomore year, going into junior year. And that's how I got to, got to be a linebacker. And, and then, you know, my junior year, I started playing in passing situations and luckily it worked out. Awesome.
0: Cool. Uh, let's see. Fought like brothers through the punch. Surgery. Tommy Ray. <clears throat> so you, think- know, you know Tommy Ray? He was gone by the time you were I there, don't right? know Tommy Ray. That, that was just guy, a, a memory from Matt Williams. So. He's
1: a great guy, but he was like, like, his, his leadership style or his coaching style was like, what he said you did, and if you weren't, paying attention it was you know or you didn't hear him It's you're not paying attention it's your fault like he was a he was he was just like a uh Danny O. Press he had a presence he oh, had a okay. presence yeah and Daniel he had, had he, ran that, he ran that lock or that that linebacker room it wasn't fear cuz it wasn't like he was going to beat you but you wanted to you wanted to play, right? So you would do whatever it was to, to play. And that room was – it was a it was a tight ship. That's all I could say.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> very much like uh, the Danny O ship, I, I, I guarantee it. Um, another memory out of Matt Williams, uh, uh, J-A-P Ball 8-3. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I tried to decipher it. So we –
1: <laughs> we came up with this game. So one of the uh, pep rally or whatever items, you know, those, uh, those slapstick balls, like, like a little paddle with the rubber band and the ball at the end, right? So we got those, and uh, we decided to play. It was almost like mini racquetball in the hallway. We would get, you know, we get tired of studying, we would go out in the hallway, and we'd have mm-hmm. this little court. You know, it's probably like twelve by twelve, and we take those paddles, you know, break off the ball, and then we would use that ball and play oh. like racquetball in the hallway. Okay. Um, I thought
0: you were about to say you, you used it on each other. Somehow, but, <laughs> no, no, but it was good. just
1: we play racquetball. People come out and be all pissed, or they'd be happy and sit there and watch us fooling around. And and uh, but yeah, that was a you know one of the. It's sad to say that was like one of the funnest times in the hallway. right?
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you got to get creative every every once in a while. All right, last one out of him, and then we'll go into the rest of your story. I know you have talked about it a little bit, so so far, but um, out of Matt Williams was uh, that you're a family man, uh, that your parents emulated that really well, uh, that you're doing what's right, legal, um, sorry, loyal um, and accountable and you're dedicated to the brotherhood and what it stands for. So I thought that was awesome. Ah, oh. But yeah. That's the tail end of the memories. What what else you got from a, from a story for for Chad that or for Brad that we need
1: to? I think we're good. We just go through the the normal flow. I've got some things written down as we, you know, go over background and, and different stuff. We talked about some of it, but I could probably fill in some gaps. And then I've got a couple of different areas I want to talk about. Go for it. All right. So um, background wise, so like I said, small town, Western Pennsylvania. Not a good student at all. I think I had 920 on my SATs. Uh, so it was definitely not, you know, I just, I probably had a learning disability growing up and it, it took me a while to figure out how to get decent grades. So I, the first time I made honor roll was my last semester of my high school year, uh, my senior year. So um, luckily I got recruited. My brother was at Navy. They obviously had seen me over the years, knew me and recruited me. And then obviously I needed to go to NAPS because I didn't have have the grades, and I needed that extra time. I actually, I actually like that time as a as a redshirt or or whatever. Yeah,
0: um, I agree.
1: I think that was a good year for for me as well. So yeah, and and that that'll tie into some of the things I want to talk about later. But you know, uh, athletes. You know, a lot of people give the Naval Academy a lot of shit about athletes and that it shouldn't be sports and there shouldn't be, you know, it should just be based on grades and leadership and all of these other things to do. But I think so you, know, wrong. You, and I, you and I know that all the things that, that athletes have to go through. And I, I put a little list together of words that, uh, when I was just prepping this morning, I was like, these are coming off way too fast, but the one of the things that made me think of it is, is we talk about football and we talk about professional sports and, you know, every time somebody uh, gets lucky enough to get drafted by the NFL or the, the you know, NLB or, or whatever, you know, there's always going to be some sort of article about how they're, you know, skating their commitment and, you know, the Naval Academy shouldn't let these athletes go do these things. Number one, I, I couldn't be more opposed to, to that kind of thinking because the the recruiting value alone of hey, this X, Y, and Z person who was a great athlete went to this school. And and making it to those higher levels is, you know, 1% of 1%. So it's it's not like we're talking about uh shifting the entire balance of the Naval Academy or screwing it up, right? But so the there's the the whole um recruiting part of it that I think would be great. And then two, all of the things that the athletes have to go through, like things that were taught and and learned uh, are really what combat leaders are all made of, right? So here's just, I'm going to read some of these lists. Feel free to stop me or we can talk about them later, but humility, discipline. And I listened to, I re-listened to Cam this morning. And so a lot of these words were fresh in my mind. I was listening to him because he was the first, I've, I've actually listened to all of your podcasts except for the last three. I think you just posted another one. So I was listening to, um, I'm on the tail end of chaps. That's a long one. Um, yeah. uh, so, um, I've gotten to hear what a lot of the other folks have had to say, but, you know, humility, discipline, hard work, playing hurt, teamwork, aggression, patience, muscle memory, quick decision making, how to get back up, dealing with loss, emotional control, handling stress, reactions, uh, push to physical extremes, overcoming adversity, being a brother, um, not talking, walking, um, timing, finding a way to win. Questioning authority, learning your role, lifting up others, showing up, adapting, going through highs and lows. There's no freebies, prioritization, mental fortitude, and sacrifice. Just a couple of the words that you know, there's probably 200 more that you could use that all things I think athletes learn. And especially when you're talking about Navy football players and the things that, that we've gone through um, I think it's a little bit more than, in, well, rugby's pretty tough too, but, I mean, the sacrifices, the the physical sacrifices on our bodies and how we get beat up. I mean, other kids are doing it at other colleges, but they're also not going into the military afterwards and, and making additional sacrifices and, and running yeah. into areas where they can get injured.
0: Especially for those offensive linemen, defensive linemen, big linebackers, fullbacks that now have to run this little PR
1: through <laughs> the – to prove that you're in, you're in shape. And, you I was know, always, know, uh, always getting taped in the Marine Corps. Uh, <clears throat> I did too. And it, it, it just, it was kind of, and I, and then, and luckily, you know, whatever the scores on my PFT, whatever erased that being a problem, but it was just like, dude, I'm full of muscle and I'm not, you know, seven feet tall. Uh, it's not going to change. So yeah. we can just keep going through this. Yeah.
0: Cool we we'll keep going. You 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 made that list, and
1: yeah. Um, so you know, I'm at Naps, and and we talked about you know, Naps was a great time for me. I actually did decent on grade, so I got some extra liberty. And Naps for us at the time, you we I guess in one of the cycles of being able to do a lot. So people brought cars, and we could drive off base, and you know we had weekends. We still were castle. We said, what's that? You know what the castle is. I uh, that's okay. a White Castle, not White Castle, is it?
0: No, not White Castle. There's this like really old uh site in the Newport area where where we would go uh to get away on a weekend and it was like pitch black in a park, but there was this huge like castle looking thing that yeah. where we went to Okay. To we something. went to
1: like the place that, that <laughs> people going. would go was the the pineapple inn. Was that still there when you they would yes. the pineapple? Well, inn? Usually
0: it would involve
1: the castle and the pineapple. In, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, obviously the coaching change at NAPS and, you know, trying to figure out if you want, if I wanted to go to the Naval Academy, had a couple conversations with Coach Loxley at the time after the season. He actually left to go coach. Uh, I can't believe where, I can't remember exactly where it was. I think it, was, it may have been colleges and around anymore. They don't have a football team. I think it was specific. I think they were part of the Pac 10 or Pac 12 or mm-hmm. I don't remember at the time. But, um, yeah, NAPS was a great year, you know, forged those bonds with the guys on the football team and then also other people. And then you get that whole diversity of, of of enlisted folks coming in, people from, you know, done one, two, three, four years in either Navy or the Marine Corps. And we had the Coast Guard folks there as well. So that was obviously something different. And um, I, I really I really enjoyed NAPS. Anybody who's going to the Naval Academy, I would, I would suggest it if it was, you know, if they're not an option. Like, sure. Yeah. super super smart and they want they're, they're doing something with athletics i mean it kind of made it you know i obviously seeing my brother go through the naval academy i had an understanding of of what they did i didn't have to go through it but i knew kind of like plebe summer's gonna suck if you go into it knowing or thinking everything's gonna suck and then it's really not that bad then you know it's better than all Of a sudden, some of those guys that, that were doing the podcast that really didn't know anything about the academy until they showed up and, like, wait, people are going to be yelling at me. And <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 so, um, so yeah, naps, um, had a great time there and then transitioned down to the Naval Academy, new coaching staff, a lot of questions. Um, it was also the exact time. So Jeremy mentioned it a little bit. Um, the locker room. There was a new locker room, new weight room. All of that before was in eighth wing uh, basement, which blew your, mind, blew your mind. So the locker room was over yeah. in eighth wing basement, and so was the weight room. So uh, Ricketts was brand new my freshman year. So a lot of a lot of change. Obviously new building, new coaches, and uh, everybody's trying to trying to figure it out. Nice. So yeah, Ricketts was a nice place to
0: go take a nap in the morning after uh, you know once you actually wake up originally, and then. Yep sneak out and then go to Ricketts sleep <laughs> until your first class.
1: So, um, yeah, exactly. So I kind <laughs> of already talked about my, my football experience. So I, you know, I was, I didn't get much playing time. I did get to travel a little bit. My sophomore year, um, my sophomore year, we went to, uh, we played Notre Dame in Ireland. That was the first time, the first Ireland game, awesome. which was, a, was a great trip as yep, well. I'm coming up. So, yeah, it was, it's funny. I didn't make the travel squad for that. Um, but I had, you know, friends within the sports information directorate group and they needed volunteers to go to Ireland to help run the trip. And I volunteered and, and luckily was able to go do it. So I, uh, and then, then coach, uh, coach Weatherby, our head coach found out, he was like, Hey, uh, Brad, I heard you're, you know, getting the go. He's like, Hey, we need more scout guys. Can you, uh, can you pick your pads with you so you can practice with us? So. <laughs> So I had to practice with – I'd go out all, all night drinking in, uh, in downtown uh, Dublin with, with some of the other people doing it and then show up <laughs> practice and I would tell everybody like about the bars and what was going on. And, and uh, it was just – it was funny because because I went to NAPS. I was 21 my sophomore year, which another recommendation, uh, if you're 21 as a sophomore at the Naval Academy, it's a way better experience if you, unless you're, you turn 21 when you're a junior. It's just yeah. so much more things to yeah. do. For sure, you know that whole Ireland trip thing. You got me thinking. Um,
0: my uh, my company has a, a brand new plan over there in Ireland. I should figure out how to get a get on a Kaizen event.
1: For, yeah,
0: for that weekend coming up, where, where Navy plays Notre Dame,
1: kick off so, the season. I like it. That's the best time to play Notre Dame. You know, especially with a new offensive coordinator or uh, new offensive coordinator and D coordinator.
0: Yeah. I'm excited
1: I can't wait um yeah so you know the rest of the time football um, you know I just it was a, it was a struggle it was a grind to get playing time move over to linebacker got put in in some passing situations and and then because of that I you know started traveling and and started doing special teams which was which was great uh, the tough part was that my the class ahead of me so Jervy's class had a just a, a ton of athletes and a ton of linebackers. And, um, you know, the guys, they were, they were, they were great. So playing time was, was thin my, uh, my junior year, except for passing situations. And then my senior year, I, I, you know, became a uh, name starter with another guy named Keith Meir. Uh, very shortly before the season started, you know, Keith blew out his knee in practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, uh, we had our first game against Wake Forest and, um, uh, played, I probably my best game I'd probably ever played, Uh, played the whole game. I even got knocked out that game, which I didn't know. So I actually had the best (laughs) hit of my life at that game. I came up and hit this, this, uh, I don't think it was a fullback, but that's what he, he was the lead blocker. Uh, And I hit him just when he either had both feet up in the air when he was making a step. So he just like pancaked to the, to the ground, but he got me back later in the game, which I didn't even know until we were watching film (laughs) with coach coach ray and he had the clicker in his hand and he goes hey chalice what's what happened here and you know it's me coming up the line and he ear holed me from the side i didn't even see him coming yeah. and then i just i see me laying on the ground and i'm still laying on the ground everybody's yeah. moving and i'm like oh shit i don't remember any of this <laughs> and then all of a sudden you see like one arm come up and then another come up and i just like drag myself off the field and I'm sure I had a concussion. I'm sure I got knocked out. And I didn't know it until I watched watched the film. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and he rewound it five 30 times, like, hey, what, what happened here? What, right here, what happened here? Why are you why are you laying on the ground? You know? <laughs> so that describes him a little bit. So yeah. that's awesome. Um, so let's see. So I started my senior year. Unfortunately, second game of the season, we played Kent State at home, and some guy came from behind and clipped me and I got a high ankle sprain. And so after you know five years of prepping for this starting position at Navy football, I was sidelined for you know five or six games. Um, Cause I don't know if you've ever had a high ankle sprain. It is just, it's not an ankle sprain. It's, it's totally different. And yeah. you, so lose you lose all the strength in your ankle. And uh, so I had to deal with that. Luckily I was the personal protector on punt team and Coach Ray kept me around, and I got to travel uh, to the rest of the games. And and I was the, I was the personal protector. I'd go out there and do that one play, and then you know, jog fast down to the field, and hopefully that I didn't need to make a tackle because I could move straight forward. But if there was a, any agility needed, it was it wasn't coming from my leg. That's for sure. Yeah, a little bit of price of admission right there, right? Yep, yep. And then uh, I ended up coming back probably one or two games before Army-Navy, limitedly. and then I started my Army-Navy. Army, I wasn't sure if I was going to start it. was another thing Coach did. Like, he didn't, you didn't know if you were playing or starting until you, he told you to get in. And uh, yeah. he was pretty cool about one thing. The seniors played Army-Navy. Like, I didn't, I didn't touch the field as a linebacker, even if it was a passing situation my junior year. He let the seniors play and some of the, the guys who didn't get to play all, all year. Uh, kind of go out with that um, So that was that was pretty cool um, And then for our Senior year Army-Navy We decided to throw in a different defense And I was kind of like a stand-up uh, Defensive end A new defense of, for one game? For one game And I was kind of like like I said a stand-up defense end And I was like throwing back to what my dad played And, um, and it, it worked out great for us uh, Unfortunately we lost We should have won that game uh, I played a good game, but unfortunately the team did, didn't, we didn't get it done. And, um, that was a heartbreaker. That was the game. I don't know if you remember, if you watched them as your kid, but that was the year the stands collapsed and the army, like I don't know, like 20 army guys were up against the, 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 you know, the last railing and the railing collapsed and they all fell onto the field yeah. and, uh, in the, um, the Philly stadium, what was it called? Uh veteran stadium.
0: No, like you, I I didn't know really what Navy Army really was. I think I watched. I do remember watching in in the high school era, yeah, uh, a Navy Air Force game. Okay, um, it was probably on TV back then, and where you live, it was right? yeah. there in the back. Yeah. So. Um, th- that's the <laughs> fullest extent that I had exposure to what Navy football was going into
1: that. So. Yeah. We were, I think I, if I remember correctly, I think we were winning that game. The stands collapsed and we had to all stand on the field for 30 minutes waiting for them to get the game going. And we never, and they, whooped, they found a way to win after that. But Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, after graduate, well, I guess I, after football, um, like I said, Marine Corps, uh, low altitude air defense. Uh, went down to TBS. And, you know, the thing about the Naval Academy and football, it it was kind of our focus. I think it's changed a little bit now. They take a group down and actually do the summer training. Like at the time we didn't do Leatherneck, or, you know, they, they do it all together and go down. Like we didn't, I didn't have really much exposure to it. My brother went, um, Marine Corps, he was an aviation supply officer. And uh, he was an econ major. And the reason he did that was uh, there was probably a couple of reasons, but one, it was kind of like a business degree. You went to aviation supply school. And at that time it was in Athens, Georgia. Um, So he went to that school. Stephen Stevens can, can tell you about that. I think he went to Athens, Georgia for. Yeah. It's in Newport now, unfortunately for, for people going supply. But um, so I kind of wanted to do that. I I wanted to be a Marine uh, just because of, I didn't really want to, like, going through the Naval academy. I was like, I don't want to be on a ship and, like, every four or eight hours rotate to the, the quarter deck or the uh, the get the con and, and do those watches. I was like, this is just, you know, this is boring, right? So I, I kind of always, while I was at the Academy, I always wanted to go to the Marine Corps. And then the weird thing is, and, I, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like the preparation we had to go to TBS was almost next to nil they had luckily they had just started a course called a uh, capstone course it was like uh it was a marine corps class basically and it was like the last semester we had this class and they basically introduced you what the marine corps was and what you know war fighting was and like you know units and kind of just some of the basics and before that i really knew nothing about the marine corps other than that my brother was in it and he was a aviation supply officer so getting down to tbs i really you know such a disadvantage to the ROTC officers and the people who did all of those summer training around the Marine Corps, um, really kind of like a, a shock to the system of, wow, this is like more like school than it is than, than anything. Right. Because you're just learning all of these things and you're getting tested on them and a lot of rate, a lot of reading and a lot of writing. And, um, yeah. it was just a, it, I, I just, something I wasn't prepared for. Right. And, and, one thing about the Navy football brotherhood is now, uh, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we, we meet with all of the seniors. Uh, yeah, I've seen or, that. It's like a mentorship type of, of thing. Correct. So, right. you know, the local guys get together and right now it's run by, um, uh, Tory, not Preston. Preston. Yeah. Tory Preston. Yep. And, um, big dude, fullback. Yes. Um, and, and basically we get together with them like four or five times and we just go over different topics. Like one's financial. So, you know, Hey, this is, you know, most important. Yes. This is very important. This is some, you know, here's some pitfalls to look out for. Here's what you should do if you want to save. One's around, um, work-life balance. One's about getting out. One's about staying in. And then the last one uh, that we do is, um, service selection night. So, we get brothers come in from all over the place and we talk, you know, we break up into groups like Marine Corps ground, Marine Corps air and supply and, and, and we break bread, share some drinks and stories and people ask questions, but that and alone itself, if we had had that when I was there, I would, I would just be so much farther ahead than, than when I just, you know, showed up at, at TBS. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for being a part of that and,
0: and kind of leading some of that. So
1: that's oh, my pleasure. I, 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 I really enjoy it. Um, and, and when I moved back to the area, you know, we started sponsoring with Shipman. So I, have had, I don't know, I don't know, five or six different guys that over the years kind of just got rid of, 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 my last one as they graduated. Um, um, Mitch was a safety and the year before was Jake, both Marines. All my guys have actually all almost always gone Marine Corps. Um, but, starting back in 2013 or 12, I think was the first one we had. So it was, um, you know, I don't know if you've heard of, of Andy Thompson. I don't think um, he was the 96 team captain on, on defense. And he came back and was the, one of the liaisons. I don't know if he was the Marine Corps rep or he was, I think he was the Marine Corps, Marine Corps rep to the team. Mm -hmm. And I, we were back here and I had two young boys and kind of said, you know, like, Hey, you find any like great guys I and mean, that you know don't have a sponsor or they had a sponsor and they don't like them or whatever reason let me know and 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 he set me up with a, a young guy named joe worth who's a, a marsark marine now and, yep. and then a few years later his his younger brother joe worth came i mean willworth uh came and i sponsored him but with you know if you get one you get their buddies right so um Joe worth had uh, Brendan Dudek uh, who's a Marsock guy as well. wide receiver uh, Jimmy Britton, who was a linebacker and then um, Paul Quisenberry, who was a defensive end. Um, and those four guys would be over our house all the time, hanging out. And then, you know, some of the additional buddies. And so I kind of got really, while I was doing brotherhood stuff and going to the games, I didn't really know the people playing, right. You know, so once you pick up a sponsor and those guys are playing, it's, you know, completely different different. instead of like sitting at the tailgate, like, Oh, I'll watch it while you guys go in. It's like, Oh shit, I got to get in in case, you know, the boys get in or, you know, whatever happens. So, you know, it gave me additional focus around the team and the games and kind of reignited me and, and this whole brotherhood thing came along, but, you know, I I really got to, you know, kind of like Bobby Doyle, I loved his, I loved his rant. And, and I love, I love coach Neamont and, and all of the coaches pretty much except for a few. Um, but, you know, I was seeing it from the field because I was watching so closely now I was like, oh, I don't understand what's going on with this team. Like, like we have some plays that are good, some are bad. And I start, you start questioning the recruiting and the commitment and Bobby kind of just laid it all on the line. He was like, you know, he, he, what I thought was is that we were recruiting by the numbers instead of the personalities. Right. And when you start going by height, weight and speeds, doesn't mean that they're going to die for that extra yard or they're going to, you know, do the things that, that they need to do. I, I, one of the things that I've always said is the guys who are born with, you know, super talent, not always the guys that, that lasts the longest, right? Cause they, you got to have the commitment. It's been so easy for them to either run over somebody or run past somebody or, or do things that you can't naturally do.
0: Yeah, but when it comes idea.
1: to a point, when they get to the the prime time and everybody can do those things, now they got to start lifting weights and they got to start working out and they got to do, and then, then they don't want to do that. It's like, Oh, that's too hard. Right. You know, we have the guys, I think the things that, that you guys have talked about and, and that I've always agreed is, is one of my notes here is that, you know, um, the guys that Navy football players were the guys who told they weren't good enough. They were the guys with a chip on their shoulder. They were the guys that were told they were too small or too slow or not tall enough or whatever it was. That's what they were told. And they were grinders. And, and we had at the time, uh, Phil, um, I keep wanting to say Phil Hoffman, but he was the photographer. Um, Phil Emery, our strength and conditioning coach, ran us into the ground, and I think um, things that 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 Division One teams are doing differently today maybe not as best because it's all about doing less. Like there's less workouts because you don't want the, you know, the body to be to recover and we're not going to work out too hard. Cause we don't want to burn through like, you don't want to don't want
0: people to quit because you're making them too hard.
1: Yeah. It's just NIL like, well, it's workouts, easy to
0: hop less, ship and go somewhere
1: else. And yeah, there's less, workouts, less practices. There's less hitting. <laughs> we haven't run a spring game and I don't know how long. Um, well, you got one coming up this weekend, right? Uh, I, but I, I, asked, I asked the other day when we were at the mentoring thing. I was like, "Is it going to be like a real game?" And they're like, "No, it's just going to be like a light, light, light scrimmage or whatever." Because they're they're afraid that people are going to get hurt. But people are always going to get hurt. That was the like the the thing at Navy football was like everybody's so hard. Next guy up.
0: That's what I loved about Navy football. I loved that live practice. I loved, you know, the spring ball. Where you know, it was tough. It was. It was was harder
1: than games.
0: People are seeking a tough route, looking for a hero's journey. Right? Like I want to be the best, and I want to be able to be the best and go up against the best as hard as I can possibly go. So the less, you know, and, and there's some balance there. You know, I understand, and and I'm working through the same thing now. So, yeah uh, confessions of a, of a native son like Stedman but is it is tough right now because especially with this new Nil rule like people can just jump ship go somewhere
1: else and be like yeah I think but, I think that's the biggest thing wrong with college football is that Nil that's the worst but, it's, it's worse than the transfer portal but the transfer portals bad as well
0: but at the same time if you continue to hold that standard of this is tough only that you know, it, and you keep those live going and you take the risk on the injury, the cream will rise to the top from a Navy football standpoint. Because like, I I, like, I want to hit I, just like, oh, you got to listen to the Bobby Mac that I just no, released. I, oh, I haven't listened to that yet. No. Oh, yeah. He's just, well, you know, the feed the addiction loves to hit. And and that that's what Navy football is.
1: Well, I, I also think that it's, it's a, it's a problem with, um, how many kids they got on the team, right? They have so many kids. I think it's like 180. Like yeah. how how can and how can those coaches evaluate those get guys and really know who's the best, right? And and I find or I heard that, you know, a lot of people are standing on the sideline just watching practice. And you never, you're never gonna get better watching somebody else practice. Um one of the, the example that I'll use is um he was my he was my sponsor, he saw I'm a little biased, but Will Worth, right? If uh it wasn't Kaipo, Tago, if Tago didn't get hurt that first that first game, uh, their senior year, Willworth may not have touched the field. There were there would be no reason for Will, Will to be on that be on that field. Yeah. Willworth comes in that first game, we win, we win a bunch more, we beat Notre Dame in Jacksonville, uh, and I and I believe we would have beat Army and won the AAC championship had he not broken his foot the game before the ac championship uh he was dynamic he ha- he still has records like who who is a first year uh starter senior come in and breaks you know big time records nobody but he was he was uh you know he was on the depth chart you know he never got a chance to play he he didn't play i don't think he played one down really before that senior year yeah. And, and 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 had Togo got hurt, he might not have seen the field. So how many other people are like that, right? I don't yeah. I don't know, but you don't know unless you get to play. And I and and I and I can I can't say this because I don't go watch the practices, but I hear what the sponsorees were saying at the time, like hey, what goes on? Like what's going on at practice? Like, hey, you get yeah. a chance, like, what's I'm going to, on? Trying to think of a couple
0: um
1: Jared Jared Bryant?
0: who's was a Kaipo era, Kaipo got hurt, um Was a good one that never got a whole lot of reps that just kind of popped um i'm trying to think of some more because i know there are there are plenty more i just man bad tie-in didn't yeah so i'm with
1: you i'm with you in this this whole memory thing my memory is shot and uh, that's one of the things i like i like listening to your your podcast is because i start hearing what people say. I'm like, Oh, I remember we did something like that or something like that happened. And it it brings it back up. But I wanted to, I was just thinking, um, so Navy football for me was a little bit different back, uh, when I got introduced to it. So it was in 1989. So my brother was a freshman, 1989. And I, I pulled up some stats earlier. So the, uh, the, uh, Oh, you know what? I did one year too early. So I don't remember what the year was before he got there, but he got there in 89 and they were three and eight. Then they, and this was under Coach uh, Elliot Usilak, was his name, right? And then George Chomp came in. So his second year, they did five and six, probably like, you know, way better, right? Like, oh, wow, we won two more games, new coaching system. All right, this is, we're leading the right direction, right? You know what the next two seasons were? One in 10. So I got to see one and 10 season Navy, another one in 10 season Navy, and then, you know, uh, I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm gonna go to Navy. Like, I'm graduating '94. Like, I don't want to go to Navy. Like, you know, Navy's getting smoked every every game I've went to. They were getting they were getting beat up. And then '94, they were four and seven. And then uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, '93 they were four and seven. '94 they were three and eight. Uh, so when I made my decision to go to Navy, it wasn't, uh, some dynamic program that was, you know, kicking ass and taking names and yeah. getting to do all kinds of fun stuff. So it's another choice, right? And are like, Hey, I'm, I'm one, I want to play division football, one football so bad. I'm going to go to this prep school and who knows what's going to happen. And then I still want to play so much that I'm going to go to this thing called the Naval Academy and be in the military for four years there and then, you know, have a commitment of five years. That's how much I wanted to play. Right. Nice. And they're getting, they're getting smoked. And now there's a new coach coming in and I was actually, we talk about memory. I was going back. So I pulled up the stat list cause I had no idea what our records were while I was there. And um, so the first year that Weatherby came in uh, and, and just a side note, coach Weatherby, uh, I'm sure he was a great guy. But he was like one of those guys that just repetitively said the same thing over and over and over again. And in the first year, it's all new, right? So it's kind of like, oh, okay. You know, was, he was big into prayer, but it was assistance coach. It was the assistant coaches that really made the magic happen. We had you always, always that front and, line. You know, and Johnson and... was the OC. So, you yeah. know, obviously. I didn't have to deal with Coach Johnson as a head coach, but I—he I, was the offensive coordinator, so I saw plenty of Coach Johnson. Uh, and you know, he was just—he was just warming up his 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 stuff by the time you got him.
0: Tell, tell me this, because I got to ask with Coach Johnson, because the way he was, he was just so, you know, one politically incorrect, made yep. things happen, you know, moved the needle. How did he work in his role at that time? not being the boss. Was it the same guy
1: or was, he, was he playing? I remember lots battles of battles to win the war. I remember lots of arguments, Um, some in public, some in not in public between, even between Bumpus And so the offensive quarter, defensive coordinator, because obviously they're both trying to get their sides ready. And then if somebody gets hurt or somebody does something that hurts the other side, then, you know, knock down, drag out, you know, battles. And, Yes, he was. He was the same coach Johnson. I heard a lot of the quotes that your guys said. I heard them all. Our first, second, third. I think he left after our second year, right? So he was only there two years. So uh, if you, uh, it's back to Bobby Doyle, right? So uh, my freshman year, '95, um, we go five and six. Okay, new staff. That's good, yep. right? Second year, nine and three. That was the. That was the uh, Notre Dame and, and Ireland game. And then that was also the bowl game in Hawaii. So, uh, Aloha bowl and wow, nine and three, like we've turned the program, you know, the minds have blown of the Annapolis people, you know, we're getting recognition. Um, coach Johnson leaves 97, seven and four, 98, three and eight, 99. Uh, I didn't even really realize that my senior year was three and eight. I had probably because he's blacked it out because of getting hurt and, and everything else. But then 2001 and 10, Oh, we're back to the one in 10 seasons, 2001, zero and 10, you know? Yep. And this is, and this is because uh, Johnson left and his, I don't, I, I will not offense guy, but I can see it. I can hear it. His brain and blocking schemes and what play we're going to call win, you know, obviously, um, you know, the, the results show. Right. And yep. then um, the question I have is, is, and it goes back to that recruiting thing, like, right. So coaching is one, right. That's one of the, I don't know if it's like legs of the stool. Right. Then there's gotta be the players. Right. And then there's gotta be that, that combination of luck and and timing and, and everything else. Right. When those come together, what happens? Right. So I've seen, like when I was, I don't, you probably were the same way. When I was a freshman, the seniors looked like men, like like legit yeah. men. I Just remember
0: like, used to I used to look up to to Jake Biles uh, as, as he was a, a GA. Rob Caldwell, yeah. uh, Anthony Pacchioni, like those dudes were my idols. Heck, another sponsor, brother. Right? You you there you go. You come into that scenario and you're looking for you know leadership at the level that gets it the yeah. level that is experienced the thing that you're going through right and i think that's where this whole navy football thing just explodes yeah right but yeah anyways keep going i'm sorry no no me, but-
1: it's i i totally agree with you so you know coach johnson you know you can you can see it in the stats and then at, at one of those points, Bumpus left. I don't I don't I think it might have been after my senior year. And then it, it went downhill. Then, you know, Coach um Coach Neumann, or Coach Johnson comes back. From Georgia he, Georgia, Georgia then, Southern. Yep. Then yep, starts then he turns it around again and then you guys get into your years where you're you're we killing got a it. taste. We got a That's taste right. of, of
0: PJ before he took off. Um my sophomore year was his last year. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, I uh, thought he was Neumann. there all the way
1: through senior year. Okay.
0: No, no. Um, so, if I can remember correctly, yeah, sophomore year was the last year with him. And then um, Nehemiah took over and junior and in senior year after that. So, good times. Awesome. Got it. Let's go. Um, so, the rest of your career, after you got out, So. did go?
1: Uh, I guess it was, it was an interesting get out story, but I, um, you know, going through TBS, I, uh, I did, not I didn't get up getting aviation supply. So we didn't, we didn't talk about that, but, you know, I got my third choice, which was low altitude air defense. And I assumed that it wasn't going to be my choice because it was my first choice. And my SBZ at the time was like, oh yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. And then all of a sudden they decided they're like, uh, oh, you need to be in combat. arms. Okay oh, thanks. I really appreciate your opinion. Thank you. You know, I, you know, I haven't thought about this at all, but yes. Okay. The, the Marine Corps pushed me this way. And then I wanted West coast. And then they said, well, you're going to be East coast. And I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, I check into, I, I checked into, uh, my duty station after, after training and I say, Hey, I'm getting married, um, here in September um is that cool and they're like yeah and then i and i went off to another school and i came back and they said hey you're getting deployed you're in the platoon you're gonna go to weapons and tactics uh uh exercise in yuma arizona uh yuma. I was like, cool, what is it and they're like oh right here and i was like oh remember when i told you i was getting married they're like oh yeah that's not gonna be you're gonna have to go to that and uh so after like a you a know, couple of stressful months, they, they let me fly home for the, for the wedding on, uh, on a Friday night and then fly out Sunday. Thank you, <laughs> right? That's and true. so then I go through the Marine Corps and then, you know, um, I'm starting to line up what my next job is going to be while I'm on the Mew. And before I left, I, you know, worked with, um, uh, I can't remember who the Marine was at the time with the team. I wanted to go be the Marine Liaison Officer point of contact with the football team. And I got it, got it squared away through coach Johnson, talked to the monitor and said, Hey, you know, I really want to go do this. This this is, I've already gotten approval from my CEO. And then, you know, the Naval Academy has requested me by name and I go on the 26 mu. And I'm, while I'm out there, I, I, uh, I reach out and say, um, check the monitor. Hey, everything good. My wife's up in Annapolis, you know, looking for houses. And he's like, Oh, you know, you didn't get it. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, your CO, uh, disapproved it. And I was like, what do you mean? What's CO? What's his name? And, and while I was gone, our CO's turned over. And, uh, this, this new guy comes in Lieutenant Colonel Williams. And I guess he thought it was, uh, not a good career move. And that it would it'd be better for me to go to recruiting duty or something like that. So I got this news on the boat, so, call, call back to the battalion. Hey, sir. Uh, you know, I was talking to the monarch. He said he you disapproved my orders. He's like, yeah, you know, I think it'd be better for you to go. I, I didn't know the guy. He never met me. Doesn't know anything that I've done for the battalion or anything before. And, uh, I, and he goes and he, and he wouldn't budge. And I, you know, we went back and forth a couple of different times, wouldn't budge. And I had just augmented. I think that was one of the things that Steadman or one of your guys had talked about and they thought they had me right. You know, like, Oh, he's locked <laughs> in here. He signed his paper. So I said, I said, screw you. And I put my papers in with the Mew and it went up their chain and they let me get out. And, uh, you basically, uh, got back from the two six Mew, went back to the battalion, new COs there. I'm my paperwork's already done. Uh, so I was going to be there for three months and then I started looking for, uh, headhunters to, uh, Recruiters to yeah. you know, find Bef- a job,
0: right? Before you start talking transition and, and crossing over, uh, what was it about low altitude air defense that you liked? Was there something there that was like, "This
1: is cool," or was it kind well, of like, I don't "Like I said, it wasn't this. my choice, but it was it was cool." At, and at the time, um, it was actually two MOSs. It was seventy two hundred four and seventy two hundred eight. Seventy two hundred eight was uh, Marine Air Support Squadron, so they're the guys who do radio radio communications to the planes. So a plane takes off, it talks to ATC people, right? And then from ATC till when it gets handed off to a forward air controller, uh, Marine Air Support Squadron basically guides them or talks them through the the points within the air, that basically the track they're supposed to go, right? Um, okay. So at the time, I went to both of those schools because it was a combined MOS for some reason. It's was probably something to do with Okay, planning. so you weren't like launching anything. You're like... Hey, I got this thing I need to launch. It was more of no. a guide. and So low altitude air defense does. So the, the nice. mass guys controlled planes. And then the other school we went to was low altitude air defense, Stinger Missile School. It was at Fort Bliss, Texas. Nice. Um, so we went down to Fort, Fort Bliss and uh, it was, I think it was a six week course. And we got all of the, you know, written training. And then there were supposed to be a live fire range where we would fire one. But there were cuts in Marine Corps budget, so we got to shoot yep. like a dummy, a dummy round at a um, basically a fifth skill remote control airplane flying around. Um, you fired what? Basically an aluminum slug. So we had like a gotcha. dummy. We had a dummy, basically like it looked like a bazooka kind of thing. It's called a Stinger missile, and it was a fire Sting. forget missile. Got it. And um, basically, you would track it with the sensor. So the sensor was live, saying heat. It was a heat sinking missiles, right? So it's it's looking for heat signatures in the air, and you point it at it, right? And then you pull the trigger, and the missile flies out, and then the seeker kicks on and follows uh, to the heat signature. So that's why it's fire and forget. You pull the trigger, it goes, and it's gone, and then hopefully it hits the target.
0: Gotcha. What what do you know about what um, you know low
1: altitude air defense is doing today? Do you know if there's any kind of technological changes there? Unfortunately, that was part of the problem when I was there was we didn't have any enemy aircraft to shoot down, right? So if your job is to shoot aircraft down and there's none to shoot, how fun is it, right? So they used LAD for other things. Uh, So when we go on these MEWS, we would run drills to defend the ship, but obviously there was no really air air threats to the ships. And then when we went on land, we would be like – uh base defenders so we would set up positions around the the base and 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 basically become infantry so we were you know lads known as the the grunts of the the wing because we that we fell under the wing yep. and that's why i was at cherry point um so yeah very cool technology uh they're 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 starting to go through so you talked to um not jordan jordan young yeah jordan, young. Oh, jordan. Yep. Uh, and that's what he does today actually in the Navy, but working for the state department, he gets missiles to Ukraine and Ukraine and all the people over there are actually getting to do the cool stuff, shooting the missiles and shooting down helicopters and aircraft. So you, there's a million YouTube videos of them using our missiles to shoot down aircraft, Um which it goes back to your question. So they're starting to run out of the stockpile of, of missiles that we had built or slash had, it was probably good in the beginning because we had so many on the shelf that were old. Eventually we would do, um, yearly training and depending on how many missiles had to be shoot, we would get rid of the old ones. Right.
0: So should we all invest in Lockheed right
1: now? Uh, Raytheon was the previous uh, maker. But I think there's a couple others that have made similar things. So they've actually, at the time, uh, we had a, a vehicle as well that had like a turret on it and had two, four pods of missiles on it. And it was like, a you sat in like a little turret with a, with a, I don't know, kind of like a joystick and you had infrared scanners and a 50 Cal. So that was also very cool. Right. So we used to shoot 50 Cal like crazy. And, um, so very technically, it was it was a very cool MOS, But when you don't get to you know ever pull the trigger or do anything, it's it's a little little boring. But they are coming out with new missiles and new technology to take away UAVs. So that's one of their missions as well now. Um, yes. So they're running out of missions since we didn't have any aircraft to shoot down. So UAVs has, has come up and um, they're they're looking at different missiles and they're looking at different techniques. But they have some new vehicles out there that are pretty cool. That's more of like a uh, like a Armored up uh, UTV, so it's like a, like a dune buggy type of thing, and, and little radar on it to help track aircraft or UAVs or um, drones and, uh, and shoot them down. So yeah, Jordan, that, uh, Jordan Jordan gets to do that now. Nice. I, th- I bet the uh, um, low altitude air
0: defense um, platoons are, are are getting busy right now. So that's kind kind of cool. All right.
1: Transition? Transition. How'd transition go? Uh, Relatively smoothly. So I started going through some of the the normal headhunters. And uh, one thing that was a little bit different was I was pretty adamant that I didn't want to be in sales. Uh, I was kind of like, I don't want to like uh, probably all this training and all this management. I could probably be a program manager or some sort of of manager, right? Like I don't want to sell something. I don't want to push something that.
0: Which is like nobody a wants. It, so. Background is all sales, so that's interesting.
1: Yeah, so I went to um, one of these industry day things where they all the recruiters came and all these people that were like hiring conference interviewed with a bunch of companies. And the guy I was working with at the time was like, "Hey, there's this other guy here. He's a naval academy um, infantry marine, and he's interviewing for a technical sales position." Uh, I know you said you don't want to do sales, but he saw you on the list and wanted to talk, talk with you. And I was like, I was like, oh, all right, I'll meet with him. You know? So I sit down he was a, he was a basketball player. I think he was an 89 or 88 grad. And, and it's like, yeah, I'm really not interested in sales. He's like, well, let me tell you a little about what I do. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. So he goes, um, well, always, always ready to listen. Yeah, that's right. How, you know, I'll, I'll listen to anything. Right. And he goes, uh, Well, I, I, you know, obviously I'm a a former Marine or, you know, an active Marine just like you. And, uh, you know, know, they used to tell me what time I had to be at work and what time I had to get up and and what I had to wear. And then it didn't matter if I was good or bad. I'd make the same amount of money. And then they would tell me where I had to go or travel or they'd tell me what I had to live. And then, you know, depending, also depending sometimes on whether – how good of an officer I am or not, I still get promoted the same way. And, um, and let, me, let, me, let me pause there for a second and say like the, the Marine Corps uh, system around the TBS and basically the line number is so antiquated and like archaic that it just kind of blows my mind that like it's still like one of the main the factors on whether you get promoted to the next level like how you did 15 years ago in a school not like what you've done, not the five schools you've gone to since or how great of a leader you've been or how you've proved yourself. You're still, not, you're still not getting promoted till you know, either somebody gets out of the Marine Corps, somebody dies, or that line number ahead of you, you know, gets out and now it's your turn, right? Um, Interesting. So that was one thing that always kind of stuck in my head. And one of the reasons I got out was I saw a lot of people around me getting either promoted ahead of me or whatever, but it was all based on line number, not what they were really doing. And, and how good they were and that kind of resonated with me when he's he's talking to me and he's like well you know i make as much money as i want because i just if i want to make more money i work harder and i make more sales and and i wear what i want and i do what i want and i schedule these things that i want and it's all like up to it. me And I'm like was like wow dude like that sounds like the perfect life it's like complete opposite of what i'm doing right now and he goes and and your account that we'll, we'll sell to is the army. So you'll still kind of be involved in that kind of stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool. And it was, it was around communications uh, test equipment. Uh, so I was a, kind of already in communications with all the radar and all the communication stuff that we did in the Marine Corps. So I was like, yeah, this is cool. So I joined them. They put me through a pretty intensive, uh, I don't know, it was like three or four month training course on technology and fiber optics and voiceover IP and all of these, you know, different things. Uh, and I did that for three years and, and, um, the reason I left was I was bringing in a lot of money for the company, but they weren't paying me a lot more. Uh, and, and I was seeing people around in the industry and, and other people, uh, getting paid a lot of money and, and, and doing less work than I was. So I started investigating things and, and my resume has a lot of, a lot of jobs on. I put them all on there. Um, because I kept finding that I was either in a company that the people were bad or the product was bad or the territory was bad. And I was kind of moving along and, and I've been doing this now. This is my 19th year of doing federal, federal sales, IT sales. Um, it's really, you know, it goes back to that magic. Like we had at the Academy, right? You know, finding the right people and the right organization, yeah. all heading in the, in the right direction And having that brotherhood or an understanding, Um, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of great things about sales, but, you know, with everything good, you know, comes bad as well. Right. So, you know, there's terrible leaders, there's people that only care about the numbers. They don't care how you make them. They don't care if it hurts you or they don't care if it hurts the customer. As long as you're making the numbers, they're happy. Right. It's, it's not, you know, a lot of people aren't, you know, mission first right and the mission should be empowering or enabling our you know our our DOD and and, and intelligence community folks you know quick question because i'm yep. interested in and i want to learn from you um uh, in
0: those areas people product or territory where those things were bad where did you see the territory was bad
1: so versus the product or people sure so depending on how long uh a company's been around, right? They could, they could have, let's say there's a thousand customers in the world that they could be, right. (coughs) They could could be their customers. Right. So a a customer, a a company that's been around long enough, there's going to be less potential customers because they're already customers or were customers. Right. So you can only, you can only sell so much to so many people. And when they hire a bunch, a lot of, a lot of sales companies will come in and be like, well, we need to make more money. Well, all we need to do is sell more stuff. Well, how do we sell more stuff? We'll hire more salespeople, right? So we hire more salespeople; they'll be able to sell more stuff, and then we'll be great, right? Well, yep. if you jam too many people into a, a territory, then there's 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 just not enough not enough uh, not enough meat on the bone to feed everybody, right? So if your territory is too small, and you can't you can, you know you can, there's only a thousand in the world, and your territory really only has uh, you know five sales can you live no you can't right the, the company has to be smarter on on incentivizing you to either one get those remainder five customers or the customers you have keep them happy and 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 how do you keep them happy right and this goes back to my one point was either a good company right well the good companies you know, if it's a truly a commercial company and they don't really care about the government, and it just happens to be the government needs that, then they don't really going to be motivated to make changes to their product to suit just the DoD, right? They're going to focus on the banks or the whatever industry that they're you're getting all their money from, right? So, you could have um, you could have a great product, but if it needs to be tweaked a couple of ways so that the, the DoD and intelligence community can use it, and the company's really not interested in doing that. It doesn't matter how good the product is, right? Yeah. So that kind of, I hope that kind of answers your question. Gotcha. Yeah. The, the The territory thing is, for me is kind of
0: a hot topic right now, so I had to ask. So appreciate that.
1: Um, cool. So that was transition. Yeah. So uh, transitioned, and then, like I said, I've been doing it for 19 years, a bunch of different companies, and and one of the things that I and maybe to a fault of myself was that I would never jump from one company to the next that sold the same thing. So I wouldn't come in and be like, you need to buy this computer. And then six months later, come back and like, oh, you need to buy this computer. Right. So I always jumped around, which negatively affected me because then I had to build relationships all over again. Cause I didn't know, you know, the people that did uh, telephones when in the last, I was selling computers last time, but now I'm selling telephones and now I got to go meet all the telephone people. So, yeah.
0: on the, the flip side though, stuff.
1: it probably helped your growth to understand more. A lot of right? diversity, a lot of understanding, a lot of breadth within my technology background now. So, I've, I've done, you know, eight or 10 different kinds of technology. So, I'm holistically, I understand how it kind of all works together. So yes, very good from a knowledge standpoint, but you know, like my buddy, Mark Mill, uh, one of my classmates, he's been at EMC. I think, I think since he got out of the Navy and super successful guy, super, super great guy, but because he stayed at that one company and it was a great company and he has a good territory, he's probably made way more money than I did. Uh, and you know, potentially, uh, he still has to work his hard. still has to work his work his butt off. And that's something that, that really never ends. But you know, if you're changing companies, your 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 challenges are always changing because you're changing the customer and you're chasing tank technology. The less that changes, the the easier it's gonna be. Right. Yeah. Change is never easy and it always messes us up.
0: I, so uh, a, a fun spring break story from you today based off of change. Last year I went to Lake Cumberland. On the same week, this week, last year, mm-hmm. I just tore up the bass and I threw, you know, a shallow water jerkbait, you know, it, it dives like one to two feet and, and, and does it swim move. And I just caught bass after bass after bass last year on that. So I went back this year, same week, same month, same days of the year, on a different calendar schedule, uh, I didn't catch crap on. That. <laughs> For the first three days, so I was, it was a four-day trip. Yeah. And on the th- after the third day, I was like, "Okay, I gotta change my strategy up, and I gotta yeah. do something that I don't, I'm not comfortable doing, which is deep fishing, because deep fishing requires patience. Deep fishing requires um, something outside my strategy, because I like to, you know, cover as much area as I can." Yep, and, and do it fast. But I had to go deeper. And it wasn't until I changed my strategy, which is not comfortable, um, that I started catching fish. Um, all the while, the, the fish that I started catching, they, they weren't keepers. And my wife um, actually <laughs> figured out a different strategy and caught the biggest fish. Uh, <laughs> her strategy was fishing for crappie. And she foul-hooked the biggest bass um, that we were able to, to fillet um, with a crappie rig on four-pound test line. And it was about a four-pound bass.
1: Yeah. So you never know. But uh, it's you got to change that strategy up, man. Right. Gotta- I will tell you um, a funny story. When I lived in, in Georgia for a couple of years, there was a stormwater retention pond and it had tons of bass in it. And uh, my brother and his son at the time, who was probably – I don't know, uh, four or five. And he had one of those little like, you know, $10, you know, like cartoon Mickey mouse fishing rod things that came in a package, right? Yep. Got a few. Uh, yep, yeah, And he, he, he threw it out there. It was pretty quick, but all of a sudden a monster bass hit that thing and, and, and he was broke apart. it in. No, no, no. Okay. He got it to shore and it was an eight pound bass and it was gigantic and he caught it on his little dinky you know and I was sitting there fishing with you know hundred dollar setup and, and 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 not catching jack <laughs> you know he threw out the Mickey Mouse that uh, came with like a bait like a rubber worm and and caught this giant bass
0: yeah uh, funny how that works right you know long story short change happens and you gotta like try and recognize it your habits are gonna make you uh, not recognize it. Yeah, tried. I've been
1: I've so. been surrounded by change in my career until the longest I'd been at a company was seven and a half years with IBM, which was the company right before I'm at now. So company I'm at, I've been at, at eleven months, and and it's back to the old the old change. Now there was plenty of change at IBM. They they for some reason decided to make change every year, but uh, it wasn't a company or technology. Gotcha. What's uh What's your favorite part of tech sales in the software industry. And the money's good. The money is good. I mean, you can make a lot of money in software sales because the, the, um, the inventory or you don't have, you don't have hardware sitting on the shelf, right? So if you make something that's physical, uh, that, that has to be built by somebody stored by somebody shipped by somebody there's a lot of associated costs with that kind of stuff so software is is relatively a high high yield game and uh you know but but i think that the most fun or the best part about being sales is is actually making the sales and getting people to buy off on your idea and getting uh you know working with them to solve their problems and being engaging the, the worst time in sales is when you're not selling stuff which means you're not really talking to a lot of people and you're not solving problems and it can be it can be very even though you could be making great money it can just be very unrewarding right so you, you try to find that balance of, of finding good customers with good products and usually a good product will will bring good customers but you know it just depends on on that that territory
0: gotcha all right. A uh, question I had written down here. So many jobs. Which one's your favorite one on the civilian side,
1: not marine Corps-wise? I mean, I like the one I'm at now because it's new and I have potential. Um, but um, that first one was probably the best um, because it was really – it was a product that was already ingrained in the Army, and they bought a ton of, of of, it. And I got to go around and work with them and learn and really help them. It was probably the most fulfilling as far as all of the jobs I had. It was probably that first one, yeah, just because think, of the interactions. Gotcha. Do you
0: think it was because just it was something new? It was something, you know? No,
1: for, I think it was, it was more it was, just because the sales actually growing. happened really good. It was ingrained. It was ingrained technology. It had been around for a while. So it was the sales part of it was actually easy for me because gotcha. they already, they knew more about it than I did. Like, cause I was new and they've been using it for 20 years. I would come in and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's how you do this. And they would show me how to use it. So the sales part was easy, uh, which was probably great for a first job. But if the sales part's easy, right. Cause you can kind of pick it up as you go. Yeah. Uh, it's when you have a super technical sale, uh, and you're a new salesperson, that would be very, very difficult to start at.
0: Gotcha. Um, so, what's been
1: your least favorite post-military? I had a an opportunity. I was at another company, and and a guy that had worked with an industry that was taking over the head of sales at a new company, the OCS Network Networks One, and it was um, basically Ericsson Federal. So, Ericsson is a company that makes a lot of optical and telecommunications equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they were a foreign, or they got bought, or they were a foreign-owned company. Um, so they they spun off a U.S. Uh, subsidiary for the federal business because you can't obviously be a foreign-owned company and sell to the government. Uh, requires a lot of red tape, but um, so they started this subsidiary, uh, and they were going to sell Ericsson equipment to the to the DoD and the federal system integrators. And one of the things that they had, had put together was basically a, a 3G cell tower in a, in a box, right? And you would basically deploy that out in your Marines or, uh, and you could get a bunch of them. And then all of a sudden you have cell phones. So you can now use your cell phones because there's local towers and all of the equipment, networking equipment that goes with it. I thought that was going to be cutting edge and really going to change the way the Marine Corps, Navy, and, and everybody fights. And, um, unfortunately the guy that, that took the, the head of sales job, I knew him and he brought me over and the, um, uh, the company atmosphere or the company ethos or whatever you want to say was just not, they didn't like him at all. So they quickly decided they didn't like him and they didn't like the way he did things. And since I was his boy, uh, they, they fired him. And then three weeks later they fired me, um, mm. And uh, it was just you know, and and when I got hired, it was like, hey, you can work from home because the where I lived in Annapolis, and then where the office was in in basically Reston was you know an hour fifteen, no traffic, and you know could be three hours with traffic. And they were like, yeah, your buddy's gone now. You need to come to the office every day, which was them trying to get me to to quit. I never quit for so for, I don't know how many weeks. Yeah, because a Navy football guy. That's so. right. I drove every day to rest and I get up at five in the morning, <laughs> get there, and then you know, that would take an hour and fifteen And the way back. There was no getting around the traffic, and it would take two to three hours to get home. So it was it was just miserable.
0: Biggest learning out of that experience. What was that?
1: Meet more people when you join a company and 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 don't just take one person's word for it. Get around, meet the CI, meet the CEO, CEO, meet meet the C level people. See what kind of you know. Talk to other people. Kind of see what what they feel like. The company um, company mentality mentality is and 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 you know, ask questions. Lots of them. Gotcha. Perfect.
0: Cool. Uh, let's see what's next. All right. <clears throat> AI. So you are in big data um, and analytics. What's your take on the 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 new AI thing that's going around right now? Chat, Chat GPT, yeah, <laughs> and like all of that, right? It, it seems like every no, every day good. I see something new about like this this one AI thing grew to ten, and now it's at a hundred. It just yep. grew to 1, a thousand today.
1: Yeah, which so your take on so that? fortunately and unfortunately, I've been around technology for the last nineteen years, right? So every six months to a year, there's something new, right? It's, Oh, this is going to be the next greatest. And this is going to be that. And, and what I find, especially, you know, because I sell to the DOD and intelligence community or the government in general, they're always behind. Um, and they, they want, they want the shiny object. Oh, I want this. I want that. And then, you know, they'll find some company that'll say, Hey, I'll build you that. Or, Hey, I can give you that. And at the lowest cost, Yeah. yeah, They they find ways to, or, you know, it's, we'll build that for you. And instead of, you know, going to buy it for a hundred bucks, they have 10 guys that they pay, you know, $2 million to work on it, uh, for the next five years. And then they, they pay way more. Right. So the, the whole idea of, of, of going out and buying the 80% solution is not good. It's just, you know, mind boggling to me. Right. You have something now for 80%. Instead of five years, you have something that's not even usable anymore because technology has moved on by.
0: Tax dollars, no big deal.
1: Yeah, so that, that that that's a very frustrating thing in my job. But yeah, AI, I explain this to people. So the technology I work for today called Elation, we do a data catalog. And, and, and all that is in a high level is AI is like XYZ in the alphabet and if you want to do X, Y, and Z, you'd better do A, B, and C, right? You know, and, and we fall into the A, B's and C's, right? And it's just like, if you want to use the reference of a house, like you can't sit in your air conditioned house and watch your color screen, your, your giant screen TV and surround sound, if you didn't build a foundation and you didn't run electricity the right way, and you didn't write plumbing, right? Like there's, there's all of these things that, that people see around AI and, and machine learning, they, that's what they're chasing and wasting a lot of money on. And they're finding out that they, I really got to go rebuild the house before I, uh, you know, put this new, uh, you know, 80 screen, 80, 80 inch TV. in. you know, so there's a lot of work to be done. Nothing's, nothing's easy. There's no easy button. Gotcha. For my uh, personal experience,
0: I, uh, I took some of the, you know, intro that I have for you and I plugged it into to that and, it gave me a good summary.
1: I've done it before with, with the summary for, for a few folks. Chad, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know much about it. I've, I've, I've heard some people talk about it. And it yeah, it's, it's just that simple, whereas you give, it, you give it information that you want somebody to write something about, and then it comes back and writes what you think you want, and you can make it smarter by telling it yes or no. But, man, that would have been great to have during all those papers we had to write in college. Right. Um,
0: another cool piece of it is, you kind of have to like frame your question the right way. And they gave me some questions to ask you. I, I don't think I've asked any of them tonight, so it's not beneficial. Therefore, maybe it doesn't <laughs> make sense, right? Uh, I, I got one I haven't asked yet, but uh, I will. Um, but I also, you know, plugged in all your information to, to, to build a summary and it also gave me some different perspective that I wouldn't have thought about to approach tonight's conversation, so for that reason, like I was talking about with my bass fishing incident, yeah,
1: like
0: it gave me a different approach to something. Uh, so I thought that was cool. But uh, are you and- going to tell me? Are you going to ask that question? What is it? Um, well, no, I'm interested. What was um, the? All right, here, here. I'll just go through the the list because I still got it on my uh, a web page. You ready? Yeah. There's ten things that came out of chat GPT's question on um, here's the summary of this guy summarize let's see I said what kind of questions would be good to ask the person described below um, in order to learn the most about the character, the attitude the sacrifices they've made in other people's lives all right. So, okay. and what I did was I plugged in the list of your jobs, uh, what your buddies had to say about you, um, and everything I knew about you up to this point. And he said, uh, he Chat GPT said, "What motive you? What motivated you to play Navy football, and how did this decision impact your character and attitude? How did you experience in the military?" particularly in the Marine Corps, shape your character and the way you approach challenges? Can you share some stories about your sponsors, Alan Regis? Okay. How they influenced you, your time in Annapolis. What life lessons did you learn uh, from your older brother who also played Navy football?
1: How These were, are good questions, yeah. I don't know, are they good. are. I think
0: we've answered most of them. Some of them, so yeah. So far, right? Um, how have your strong family values, and we haven't gotten to that one totally yet, Mm -hmm. Um, influenced your relationships with friends and colleagues? Can you share a specific instance where you made a personal sacrifice for someone else and how it affected you? How do you balance your dedication to the brotherhood, with your professional responsibilities and personal life? And that was one of my last questions for you uh, because it seems like you're pretty dang engaged with a lot of that. Um, In what ways have your hobbies, such as fixing and building things, helped you develop problem-solving skills or other valuable traits? Nine, nine out of 10 is, what do you think is the most important factor of being a good teammate? That was another one I was going to use, mm-hmm. uh, both on and off the field. Last one: Have your experiences in the software analytics sales community shaped your understanding of the importance of teamwork, collaboration in a professional setting? So,
1: yeah, I feel like a lot of those questions are like things that like come off of like what you would find on a resume, or questions you would ask somebody on a resume. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's no dummy. I mean, it's, it's pulling from all of that information.
0: True. The
1: human element
0: is very important. Right. And I think we've covered a lot of this so far. There's a couple of gaps. I mean, I'm sure like the, the couple things that I've called out so far that I want to talk to you about that I haven't yeah. asked yet. I, okay. I called out. So um, just, just thought that was interesting. I do. Try, I'm trying to figure out how to make things easier for me, right? So that's why I'm exploring yeah. and experimenting yeah. with those things. So can't,
1: can't be the interviewer extraordinaire if you don't practice <laughs> or, you know, take input from other things besides yourself, right? Yeah. That's the whole uh, point of this, right? Embracing change, right? So. That's right. Cool. One, one of the things I wanted to chat about was uh, work-life balance, right? So in yep. sales, you know, you have a little bit of a flexible schedule, um, which is one of the bennies, right? So you can kind of schedule your calls around your life, right? So if you're married and you have kids and, you know, a lot of people don't have that flexibility. They have to be at a job, at a place, at nine, and there till five, right? So no flexibility. They can't go change the laundry or they can't, you know, meet somebody at the house to sign for a package or they can't go to the gym real quick. You know, like there's a lot of things that, that sales and running because I I basically, I run myself, right? Like there's nobody watching me here at my house or if I did go in the office or I did go to meetings, you're, you're kind of responsible for yourself. And I like that part of it, right? You don't have to, you know, you're not beholden to somebody else or under the thumb of somebody else, uh, on your, you know, day-to-day life.
0: Gotcha. No, I a hundred percent, uh, know, feel that when I uh, I had a big issue the other day, we couldn't ship. So in my uh, non-named manufacturing group, I uh, I had an issue where we started producing stuff and we couldn't ship it anywhere. And uh, the sales team who handles it after we make it, we get it to them. Um, When we get it to them, you know, they're our outlet, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like... Guys, we're about to shut down because we don't have anywhere to put it. Um, and the feedback was they might still be sleeping because they made their own schedules because they're yeah. in sales. <laughs> they just to, they they probably need to figure out what their schedules should look like a little bit. But
1: yeah, that's anyways,
0: right. I, I had to throw that in there. I'm I'm trying to make it funny at the same
1: time, but um, well, one of the things that I thought about in this work life balance stuff is that you don't have to um you have like you know you have to figure out what's important you have to figure out what can wait and and i was thinking about this today i was thinking about the song by simon and garfunkel called the cats in the cradle you ever heard of it oh yeah yeah right so the the dad uh or the son is constantly asking his dad for his attention and hey, can we do this? And we hey, can we do that? And the dad's are like, oh, I can't. I'd love to, but I can't do it right now. I'm doing this, or this is more important, or that's more important. And as the dad gets as the dad uh, gets older, his time becomes more free, and then his son's time of wanting the dad isn't around anymore. It's right' reduced. The dad's the son's at college. He comes home from college and says, "Hey, dad, good to see you. Can I have the keys?" And he's gone. And then, you know, it's it's and then you know the the moral or whatever the the word is at the end of the story, the son turned out to be just like his dad because you know he put other priorities first instead of you know him. So I I, made me think of the work life balance because. I thought that was going to come up today because you, you've asked yeah. questions about what people do. And, and, and the nice thing about sales is that you can, if you're good at it, you can, you can do a work life balance. And I've had people you know say like, Oh, I can't believe you're doing this and you're not working right now. Or you're doing that and you're not working right now. I was like, dude, I've made decisions. I've made purposeful choices to be a coach of my son's, you know, football team or, awesome. this or that or the other thing. And I've, and and potentially I'm not going to make as much money because I'm not grinding as hard as maybe some of these other folks are, but I've I've made that choice purposefully so I can do the things that I want to do that are important to me. Like and I said, what's important, what can wait, right? There's always more emails. You're always going to have more emails tomorrow. And and if you don't answer it right this second, is the world going to end? You know? No, it's not, right? So nice.
0: So here's my verbatim written down question for that was um, your secrets to balance job, Navy football brotherhood, what you're doing today, nonprofit, and family. I think you just answered that. So, well,
1: the brotherhood part that. is is not a lot of time, but sometimes it is, right? You know, so like we do monthly calls, which you know can go for an hour, hour and a half, it's usually on a Sunday night, and then during the football season, you know, I got to. Go to the commissary and exchange and do the shopping for the liquor you know on friday and then we set up the tent friday morning and then for a three o'clock game we usually usually get there at nine and i'm there from nine till sometimes 11 at night so you know 14 hour a day at a tailgate is fun but also <laughs> a lot of work right so there's there's commitments to this you know the, the mentoring stuff um You know we're here to help and that's kind of the the whole point and i I, you know i love giving back and i love being a part of it and you know you know that, that that's not that's uh nothing hard for me awesome um quick question what's your biggest
0: advice for job seekers right now in the market
1: well in my space there's plenty of jobs there's usually always jobs in the uh DOD and IC sales, uh, intelligence community, because, um, it's hard. And if you come out of that DOD space or, and maybe some of the intelligence community, you know, stuff, uh, it's a lot easier for you than it is for them to hire some kid out of college or find somebody who can get a clearance. You know, most of us have actually, this is actually the first time I haven't had a clearance since, uh, before I joined the Naval Academy. Cause I think probably just some- cause it's
0: it expired.
1: Right no it didn't expire uh the, the company i joined is a smaller company and they don't have a facility clearance so they have no way of holding the clearance right so i had a tssci full scope poly with ibm and and have had a clearance like i said since i got out of the marine corps so uh this is the first time i haven't so a lot of the guys coming out of the dod potentially have the clearance all right get ready to pay for it and park it so this is your first time out of that clearance yep what the heck is going
0: on in America?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> I will, I will Good you, answer. I can have these CBD gummies now, you know, because <laughs> my wife says I'm too stressed. So now, now that uh, I don't have a clearance, I I can take things like that, right? So nice. What is going on in this world? That's that's anybody's guess. Uh, it goes. One of the things that I, I thought about talking about, and it talks about recruiting, I guess a little bit is kids sports. So I, well, how old are your kids? I got one for, uh, eight and 10 and my
0: eight year old is a baller at gymnastics state champion. Oh.
1: Um, so nice. I'll just that so, so you're deep, you're deep into it then. So oh, yeah. Love it. I, yeah. have, um, I have, I have, I don't say I hate kids sports, but I have come to loathe the, the, Impetus or the the money making environment that has cropped up around kids sports and club teams and yeah, and I pay all. a thousand bucks a month, dude. Yeah, so <laughs> you get it, right? So yeah. I, I, I it boggles my mind that 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 you have to pay a ton of money and spend a ton of time to do all of these sports and these people are making tons of money and you're traveling all over the country. I'm like, I got you know, lacrosse is like, like there's five teams in this town that those kids could just play each other year round and, and be great and not have to go anywhere and not have to pay any money. And, you know, everybody's wearing fancy gear and there's, there's music in between plays at the high school football games. And it's just like, you know, what is there, like, what, what, what can they do at college that's you, they haven't done already? they're already wearing Under Armour gear they're They have the best gear. They have turf fields. They have like crazy sound systems. Like, you know, what is there, like, there's nothing to do. Right. And, and the amount of people that are in these club sports thinking that their kid's going to get a scholarship they're, they're, they're just the mind the mind—it's mind-blowing that you see like thousands of parents here and you're like guys you know like maybe 10 of you are going to play division one sports like you should be here because one either you enjoy it or your kid really enjoys it but not because of the scholarship thing and you know you they've they get to the point where their kids either get burnt out on it or yeah. they're not they they grow they they grow and hit maturity yeah. in different ways and that's my biggest you
0: know concern is the burnout on on a kid like that you know especially with my my daughter in uh in gymnastics cuz her aunt did that mm-hmm. same genes um same talents and it really messed her up so um I try to be mindful of that right yeah. and i think this needs good to go back
1: to the way it was where you had rec sports in your neighborhood and and you could play you know one sport a season and you don't have to play three sports or two sports and you don't have to be committed and you if you didn't play this season you can't play the next season you know there's just so many rules around it it's just it's just yep. ridiculous yep. put the boxing gloves on when there's a disagreement go in the back backyard
0: and that's right that's <laughs> your entertainment so that's right cool um, let's see Um, mentor,
1: best mentor. I would say probably some of those guys when I was playing Navy football, those seniors, Andy Thompson, Clint Bruce's of the world. Those guys are really the, the, the guys I looked up to the most. Some of the the guys around my brother's age, um, in business. I've, I've found a few that I've, you know, but nothing, nothing that's really lasted. Um, and, and, and it's probably more of me than not sneaking out the right people probably, but, um, yeah, you know, mentors are great. Uh, the self-help stuff's great. And if you do a combination of that and just talk to your buddies, you can, you can pretty much, you know, get what you need. Is there a single mentor that was the best one that stands out to you?
0: I always try and go there and a lot of people are like, no, it's yeah, not,
1: not really. I mean, I had a, a, a certain time for a short period of time there were, but never like a long lasting one. That's just, you know, 20 years, except for my, you know, parents, um, sponsors, you know, those kinds of folks. Yeah. I, they're not business mentors, but yeah, mentors of life. Awesome. All right. We're getting close to the end. Um, biggest current struggle today what's your biggest opportunity something you're working through so i started a new job so that's always change is is difficult and and i've got if i work hard and i build an opportunity here to to make a lot of money and and solve a lot of problems so that's that's one but i think the the one that you're familiar with and everybody is if you got kids right so is, is being a good parent and, or, you know, and not just wanting to be a good parent, but like what are the things that you need to do to, to be a good parent? I was always in my mind. Uh, I've got an 18 year old boy who's, uh, committed to VMI to play lacrosse. Nice. I've got a 16 year old son who, who plays lacrosse football and wrestling. And then, uh, I've gotten remarried, uh, Kendall who walked by earlier. Um, she's got a nine year old and seven year old. Um, so it's kind of like a, a a different start for me, right? And she's got a boy girl. And, you know, as I've gotten older and matured and kind of seen seen the world a little bit, like how important it is to be a good parent. And I always struggle because I try to raise the kids the way I was raised, and that world doesn't exist anymore, right? Yep. My dad was very, True. very, very strict. And, and it can be very difficult if your partner or your wife doesn't see things the same way, right? And, yep. you know, raising kids is, you only get like one shot at it, right? So, um, and while my kids are, are, are great kids, you know, they're totally different than I was. Um, and, and, and just almost about every way. And the stuff they get, get away with is stuff I couldn't even dream of getting away with when I was their age. And I think things like discipline and 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 accountability and and you know attitude and respect of elders and all of that stuff has really slipped a lot. Um, so, you know, trying to be a good dad but also the right dad is is kind of the you know probably my biggest struggle.
0: Gotcha. Sounds like uh, sounds like. Matt Williams had you down pat when he said, uh, you know, you're a family man. You mentioned your parents, you know, influence on you, um, doing what's right, being loyal and accountable and and dedicated. So I wanted to go back to that because, you know, from your, your current struggle, and I think you know, even I still struggle with some of that too. Um, but your foundational morals and, uh, you know, who you are is you got the building blocks. So that's, that's all. Awesome. Just be a good dude, right? Just be a good dude. Mike Matthews. <laughs> we'll get Ben on here one day. I hope so. <laughs> I would love to get Ben Matthews on here. So um and he was the guy that when I walked out the airplane and got in the bus and, and went into the rickets, he was there to, to greet and be like, Hey, what's up parents. And then after I was like, dude, what's up. Let's get real. <laughs> so, um, just be a good dude. All right. You ready? Who, what
1: is your price of admission? So I'm going to go, I'm going to kind of go back old school. Like Cam did. Um, and it'd be all around football. Um, you know, obviously I, I, I saw it. Uh, my brother go through it and I, we went over those wins and losses. There were a lot of wins. There were a lot of tough games and those guys, they were grinders, right? And and they sacrificed their bodies. They sacrificed their futures. They sacrificed so much. Um. So that was, that was kind of like my lead into it. And I looked up to those guys and, you know, when I got, when I finally got to the Academy and it was my freshman year and, you know, we, we were scout team, we were getting beat up and, and we'd go to the pep rally and then you weren't on the travel team, you know, standing in the, standing in the on the steps of, of Bancroft Hall and, and watching, you know, guys like Andy Thompson, Clint Bruce, and, Fernando Harrison and and those guys standing in front, you know, at the pep rally and you're sitting there watching what you've been dreaming and what you want to do and can't understand why you're not part of that. You know, I remember standing there watching the pep rally, like tears in my eyes trying to like, like hide, like, you know uh, you know, that I was, you know, that, uh, that, physically upset that I wasn't part of that, you know, getting on the bus and going with the team. Right. You know, I'm part of the team, but I'm not part of the team. And then I remember another time and and I bet freaking maybe three people in the world know this story. Um, maybe four. I was, you know, it was, it was after a football game, a home game, I had been up in the stands and a lot of the players were like, don't come down and do push-ups, You know, we scored. I don't want you, I don't want to see you down there doing push-ups, Right. And so I'm standing in the, the the stands and and some of my upper class saw me. And then the next morning I was out at a child call and one came out and he started like tearing into me and he was like, what do you think you're too good to go down and do push-ups. And he just like, kind of like was bringing back all of those like emotions that I had it had nothing to do with him. I give a shit about him. Uh, but it was making me think, you know, all the emotions that I had about wanting to be with the team and supporting the team and how much I love the team and I want to be there. And, and, you know, he was chewing my ass and I started crying, like, not like, you know, just tears coming out of my face. Then he starts, you know, making fun of me for that. Right. And I'm just like, Oh, I could just pound you into the ground right now, dude. Like, you're just like, you're nothing to me, but the emotion that I had for this team, for this sport, for this, all this crap that I was enduring, you know, that, you know, things like that are, are part of the price of admission. You know, you're sitting in summer school and you're all your buddies who went to regular college, are at home partying, or they're living at the beach for the summer. And you're, you're in, you're in, you know, nav class or you're, you're out doing, um, you're out with Satan on the turf and it's a hundred <laughs> degrees. And we used to call them the turf monkeys, uh, which basically, you know, you look across the turf, you see those little wavy lines, it, turf monkey come up and super grab hot, Super hot, super hot humid on the, uh, on that bay. Right? On a Rip Miller field where the turf monkey come up and grab your legs and your full body spasm and you're laying on the ground because you've either pulled a muscle or you're puking in the, in your helmet. And, you know, all of those things that, that went into that nobody will really understand except for the people that, that, that went through it. You know, that's the, that's the, you know. And one of the things I want to bring up what Cam said, like he was like, you know, there's it's it's payment, right? You know, it's 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 not an investment. But I, I disagreed with him when I heard that. That's, that was the I listened to the Minorel, so it was the first one I heard, and it was months ago, and, and he was like, But there's no there's no reward. And and you're he's exactly right, there is no reward, but there is there is a return on investment it might be a year or two years or 20 years and that's what we're living now right you know all the people that went to the academy and played football and are now in business and we can get any job that we want that we apply ourselves to because of those things you know that's the return but we didn't see it then there was no return on investment we were going through it like we didn't you know there was there weren't hundred thousand fans at our stadium, uh, in, in Annapolis, there weren't people staring at the gate waiting to cheer for you. There was no, you know, Oh, I got, I got an extra chimichanga tonight, but it was because I got there first, not because (laughs) I did some good job. Right. You know, like I love chimichangas, (laughs) chimichangas, uh, chicken tenders. And there was, there was something else that was, that was pretty damn good. But, you know, those are the kinds of things that you just, You know, being humiliated was another thing he said, you know, constantly either by the coaches or the players or get yourself in a position where you, you know, you fuck up at practice, right? You know, those are the kinds of things that, that build us into the men that we are today and, and will always be, you know, you can't, can't take that away from us. you know, that's, that's the, that's the price of admission. And that's, that's the reward you get if you, you know, go through it. Awesome. How did you discover uh, this? You know, out of
0: my own curiosity, you know, the podcast, because obviously I want to make it. I think it was, I
1: think it was either Joe or Will Worth. I think it was Joe Worth. He was like, Hey, you got to check out this. Oh, actually, you know, it's a good story. So he actually, he was him. He was like, Hey, I just listened to this podcast. Made me think of you. Uh, I really appreciate something that you did for me. So, um, Joe Worth uh straight a student brigade commander
0: brigade Uh, commander yep
1: uh i think it was it might have been i think it was seconds i i may be screwing this up but i think it was twice so i think he did it for plebe summer and then they they end up using him again for the second semester Nice.
0: joe on here because you know um when you said that it, it sparked a memory in my brain um I didn't want to lead at the academy inside the brigade ever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Until I had a Squad leader was good enough for me. <laughs> so I had this uh, senior chief at the time. He's now a command master chief, um, Brown. And uh, when I was done with football, he's like, dude, you should do this. You should do the company. I was like, oh, that like, sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to do that. I just want to chill. Yeah. But I did it. And when I committed to that, I had to go through a lot of more, like, uncomfortable things. Right? Sure. Um, and, and learn and, and change and all that stuff. And, and when I look back on that, I think, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad that I had someone to push me through that.
1: Yeah.
0: Push me through I- that that enduring, right? to push me through, um, th- there might be no reward here, but at some point you're going to find a return on investment. Like you just talked about. Right. So I, I'll get, uh, worth on here soon. Okay, I'll,
1: I'll go back to that story, but you made me think of something else I wanted to bring up earlier is perfect. I was, and I don't know how you felt the same way, but when I went through the, the Academy and probably naps, I was like, just clueless. Like I was, I like lived in the moment. Like I was, you know, if there was a, a test three weeks from now, I studied for it the night before. And like, I didn't, like, there were places around Annapolis that I had never been to. I mean, like I didn't even go to DC that much. Like it was a bar in DC. It wasn't like anything cultural. There was just, you know, I was just, it was kind of like, like um, Jordan Young said, you know, he's a partier, Like right? Work hard, play hard, right? And yeah. always looking for the next party Was is what I was doing. It's like Mike Matthews. That's right. So I was just clueless. I didn't, I, was. I'm not a, I'm not a well-read guy. I'm not some like giant thinker. And, and, and I wasn't even an X and O's guy for why? I just, I just liked playing. Like I didn't, I didn't really understand the all of the schemes and the formats and, and the, you know, the positions. So that if I did, I, if I go back and do it now and I knew the things that I know now, I could be way better. Right. I just, nobody pushed me or nobody taught me anything. Right. I was just, doing what I was taught. And if you didn't teach me, I didn't know it. And I was just kind of clueless. So as we get older, you just kind of like, as you learn more and more and more, more, you're like, dude, if somebody would told me this like 20 years ago, I'd be so much farther ahead. And that's, that's another thing that the brotherhood does. That's what this mentorship thing is all about. Like I was just, I was just trying to make, I was just trying to graduate. Right. I was just trying to, I, I, my major, right. I was an oceanography major. Right. Uh, because they didn't write a lot of papers. I didn't have to take a foreign language. So that's why I did it because I I knew that I wasn't a good student and I thinking back on it like you know I like building things and fixing things I probably should have been an engineer or uh, uh, ocean engineering or an architect ocean architect and and did things with CAD I would have probably loved that and then when I was in the Marine Corps I I love building things so I probably would have been an engineer an engineer would have been awesome combat engineer would have been been awesome to do in the Marine Corps like but I just wasn't thinking like it just I don't know. It's just, yeah, that, that's just the
0: back. Good. I was going to say that that that's the beauty of if you get lucky enough to fall into a situation where people push you and you. Or if you
1: that. have a mentor that that kind of guides you, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and you accept that challenge. So good.
1: Yeah. Right. So, but back to my Joe Worth story. So, um, so it was his. I think it was his going into his senior year, he, you know, and the the, the the football team or the press or the coaches loved that Joe Worth was brigade commander and Joe Worth was this and Joe Worth was that, right? And then it comes to his senior year and Joe Worth isn't traveling. And I was like, wait, what? Like Mr. Naval Academy football guy that you, you know, you've asked to do this, you've asked him to sacrifice to do that. And it, it just annoyed the shit out of me. And I called, uh, I co-coached Niamat And I said, hey, um, don't normally do this, but you know, I don't go to practice. so I don't see Joe Worth practice, but he's a straight A student. He works his ass off at everything he does. Uh, he does extra lifting. He's always doing X, Y, and Z. He's everything that you would ever want in a player or you know a leader right uh yep. but he ain't he's not traveling why is that I, I have a problem with that i said you say this is a family and this is how this isn't how we treat our family They're the people that make sacrifices for us and have been there through this that and the other thing he never got a chance he never got a chance to play it, what I understand, his his linebacker coach was horrible, Coach Johns. And I, I've never heard anybody say anything nice or good about the guy. Johns was good to me. So Was he? Oh yeah. So um I had a problem with it and I called him and and he did something about it. Joe started traveling. And 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 Joe called me and said, Hey, I was listening to this podcast. Made me think of you. And you stepped up for me when you didn't have to and, and said something that wasn't right. And, you know, those are just the kinds of things that they're talking about in this podcast. You should listen to it. So that's that's what got nice. me into it. And that was, I don't know, maybe a year ago. How long has it been going since October? So uh,
0: what? So maybe.
1: Seven months. Okay. So it was, it must've been soon after you put it out because there were only a few on it when I listened to it. And then, like I said, I'm up to, up to speed. I'm in the middle of the chaps one. And I think there's three more. So Nice.
0: Good. Chaps one's a good one. Bob McLaren, the one I just, and and that's why I said that the Pennsylvania guys, I had, uh, Nick Henderson from Pittsburgh and then Bob McLaren from uh, Bethlehem.
1: And now yourself.
0: Well, don't uh, forget the,
1: the, uh, the Matthews are all from Pennsylvania as well. I know. Hamilton, Hamilton's from Pennsylvania. So if you yeah, get him on. I got to
0: get him on here too. So help me with that. Um, I'm still trying to build a good list. Um, it's, it's hit or miss on some stuff, but we're getting there. So, all right. What'd you learn today? What did I learn today?
1: You know, the the thing that, so I'm not much of a talker, right? So I'm in sales. So I talk work all the time. My wife, both of my my ex wife would probably say the same thing that I don't tell them anything, right? So I think <laughs> what to I've to break away
0: every now and then, right?
1: There's got to be a reason, right? Like I'm not a I'm not a showboater. That's another thing I think a lot about naval academy guys is like they don't they're not showboaters. They're not doing it for the credit. They're not doing it for so they can look cool or you know they you know, they're not big showboaters, right? And I, I, don't, I don't really talk about myself really in general and this podcast has kind of motivated me to do this. So my current wife, Kendall will probably learn a lot of things from this podcast that she's like, why don't you ever talk to me about this stuff? I'm like well, I'm talking to a guy who knows something about it and, you know, trying to yeah. help other people. So.
0: Gotcha. That's good. I hope, hope she listens to it. Cause mine is, re- is reluctant to listen to all these things. Cause she hears me talk about stuff sometimes. Like I'm like, I'm boasting over like how much fun this was. And, uh, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I don't want any, any part to do with that. Just help me. I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am. Got it. <laughs> um, nice. And I was going to say last, last comment here is, is to thank her, uh, Kendall and, and for your time tonight. One, cause I know she's busy, you know, you know, tucking kids to bed upstairs or whatever she did in, in the stairs or she was walking back and, and taking care of, uh, of the young ones, uh, because, you know, the support system is so important, uh, especially for guys like us that just never want to settle. Um, especially, um, guys that the emotion that I had for what I was enduring. Yeah. There's your title. So cool. Cool. Awesome. Anything else that we missed?
1: Not I can think of. I'll just, I'll just, I guess one closing comment would be: uh, Navy Football Brotherhood uh, doesn't cost any money to join. You know, just get your email, put your information out there, help current, uh, former players out. You know, whether it's you know somebody asks a question, somebody's moving to the area, it could be, it could be uh, personal. It could be, you know work related it career related it could be you know territory related like hey i'm moving into this area can you tell me where's a good place to live i mean we've got so many opportunities we've got a number of different boards that that people lead up whether it's our fallen brothers or the transition board uh there's it's not just the mentoring things you know it's it's uh, it can be year-round and and independent of subject we've we've looked for other ideas of things to do Uh, Most of the money that we collect uh, either goes to the tailgates or organizing functions or we've collected um, or been the, I guess, the repository for a number of collections for some of our brothers that have had either fallen on times like um, John, Tyler Tidwell. I was going to say John Vereen's house when it got taken out by a tornado. We got him funds. We raised money, you know, tax deferred stuff uh tyler tidwell's family we helped facilitate some of the donations um uh brian bourgeois uh, we helped do the same kinds of things since we're a 5031c we can we can do some certain things that people can't but um we are basically here to help our brothers and their families to to do whatever it is they need to do and um i just Figured you know there hadn't been anybody from from the organization on. I figured we'd get the word out and, and if your podcast reached to uh, more folks we take we take donations and if they feel like they want to they, they always can the Navy is open to anybody so they can check it out they can't be a member but they can always donate and and, and if uh, the things that they're inspired to by listening to your podcast they want to swing by a tailgate in the fall we're always in the same spot your gate five by the blue angel out on the grass. And uh, we look forward to hosting them for an awesome tailgate.
0: Awesome. Um, key takeaway for everybody listening to that is reach out. Yeah. Right. Cool. Brad Chatlos, appreciate your time today. Uh, it was awesome. I've learned some stuff. Got me thinking about some stuff. That's a, the best part about this it gets me thinking it gets me wow. like pondering like all right i just learned some stuff like how can i do these things that that this guy talked about today so uh super excited
1: if you any more questions call me anytime
0: <laughs> always appreciate your time
1: um, all right brother yep yeah, tell uh kindle we said thank you and uh, thank you to your family as well have a good night all right see you buddy